You're listening to Legends Cast, a podcast about the cards, the meta, and the community of the Legends of Runeterra. This episode is brought to you by listeners like you. To become a supporter of the show, visit patreon.com slash legendscast. Let's do this. Hello and welcome to Legends Cast, a podcast about the legends of Runeterra. My name is Mark or the Lift from outside of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And with me tonight is my legendary never faithful co-host, Dead Broke Nerd. And also the eternally optimistic and catastrophically creative Gibbles and Bits. Gibbles and Bits and DBN, how are you guys doing tonight? So he did decide to keep the same, the same uh, adjectives for me this week. Yeah, I think that had to happen. Yeah, I yeah. remembered them. It was too good. It was good. not easy to remember, yeah, yeah, yeah. but I definitely remembered them. That's important because that's locked in now. You can't change it. You've done it twice, which means now you that can't change it. That is the best version of the, of the word catastrophic mm-hmm. that I have ever heard. I mm-hmm. am finding good uses uh, for otherwise uh, usually negative words. Uh, real wordsmith over here. But uh, we just had a little 4th of July, and I know we have a pretty sizable EU audience um, because people from the EU know what podcasts are best, which is why there's no one from the EU that listens to any of the other Runeterra podcasts. They all listen to ours. But, all of them. That must yeah, be the but case. But for those of you who aren't from the EU, you got to celebrate uh, the 4th of July, the 4th of July this weekend. Unless, of course, you're from Australia or South America or Canada or Mexico, or any Southeast Asian or Asian Take country, pick. or anywhere that's not where yeah. we are, but where <laughs> where we are barbecued this weekend and blew off fingers. So America um, weekend, mm. yeah, it was really great for a lot of people, and uh, insurance companies are upset, and doctors are making big bank. So, but how was your guys' Fourth of July? Did you guys have a good holiday weekend? A little a little break? Did you get today off? Maybe even. Yeah, got today off. Still mm-hmm. got all ten fingers. You know, it's uh overall it's a win-win. Got to have some nice dinner, see some fireworks. Took advantage of some of those good old Fourth of July sales. Got some patio furniture so I can sit outside now and play some LOR under under a nice nice. umbrella with some uh, um, some good deck chairs on my patio. So loving that. Nice little patio, little patio deal. You know, when you get older and uh, when you get older, you get excited for things that you would not normally have gotten excited for, which is a comfortable place to sit outdoors. DBN, how about you? What'd you do for your fourth, my friend? Yeah, super chill. Just went and stayed with my parents for a night or two. Didn't have work today. So, you know, get paid to to kick it all day. That feels good, man. Uh, Love that. uh, Love that holiday pay. Um, but yeah, no, it was, it was a fun time. Um, had a pool day, relaxed, uh, drank some good beer, ate some good food. It was awesome. Nice, nice. We uh, we did ribs. Well, we didn't really do ribs. We did chicken, and then uh, and then my neighbor cooked eight racks of ribs for some reason, and so mm. we had some delicious eight. ribs. And uh, you know, just to close out the banter, quick story from my life. Last night we were sitting around a fire eating s'mores because they're amazing, and uh, mm. my one and a half year old came running through and almost stumbled like into the fire. And I had my older daughter on me and I like jettisoned her to the ground and I jumped down and like swiped my kid to the ground uh, in order to avoid her from getting, you know, horrifically burnt. It was like crazy, chaotic, awesome dad move. 
and uh, and saved her right but she didn't know that to her i just swiped her hard onto the ground right it's like so in her one and a half year old brain like dad just whipped me hard onto the ground she was like just so unhappy with me and i was like man there's a really good illustration in life about this (laughs) right where you you were being shielded from something horrible but didn't know that it was a horrible thing that was about to happen to you uh anyway all all that to be said we did not spend the fourth of july in the hospital instead uh yeah, we, we spent it. And I didn't really get to play any LOR like at all over the weekend. I didn't play any video games all weekend. It was just like we were just celebrating with friends and family and enjoying ourselves and enjoying the beautiful weather here in Western PA. It was absolutely awesome. Um, but I was excited because I got back. I, I did not take the day off. So I was back to streaming this morning and got about three hours of LOR in streaming this morning. And I had Sweet. a great time, man. Uh, I think we should each just say, like, what is one deck that we've been playing since release? Because last time we recorded, the, you know, the set hadn't been released. We're still under a week from the release of this crazy set, and we have so much to talk about. Uh, DBN, how about you? What's, what's one deck that you've been, like, what's the thing that you've been, like, really your go-to this past week? Well, my go-to has undoubtedly been uh, TF Swain. Ooh which has been exceptionally revamped by one new card and one massive buff. Um, so it, it feels so good. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it eats up a lot of the popular stuff. It, it can munch on Lurk pretty well unless they get a super nuts draw with, like, Double Rek'Sai or something early. Like, it, it's possible to, to get buffed out of the game, but most of the time you just pick things off as they come. Uh, it, it feels so potent it's unbelievable um i would 100 percent be playing it in tournaments and stuff uh if i had to put a lineup together that would be in it um but on a more fun note with the new stuff uh i built a uh just for the challenge of it because i noticed i built a budget lurk deck with only rek'sai uh and no epics Ooh. and uh it wins a lot. I mean, 90% of the lurk cards are commons or rares. Most of them are commons. Um, the only things that are like um, uh, epics are like the bone skewer would normally be associated with lurk. And then the, um, oh, shoot, the Xerxareth. So those two I left out, left pike out so that it's only three champs and no epics. That thing's dope. Uh, it's very impressive, and I filled those slots with like shaped stone, preservarium, and ancient prep, mm-hmm, as well mm-hmm. as a couple rock hoppers to give you that uh, shape stone. And shape stone is excellent for getting Rexi leveled, so it's, that's pretty cool. I also want to shout out Silent Eric, I believe it is. I I, I don't want to miscredit, but I'm pretty sure it was Silent Eric uh, who posted in Deck Tech um, a incredible um, Talia list, nice. which. Um, which is doing exactly what I predicted people would do, which is to use that um, uh, field promotion card to uh, hand out uh, scout scout to uh, really pretty strong uh, uh, people, including um, Talia, of course, once leveled and now with the buff, which I'll talk about later, and Sivir. So it's it's pretty pretty bonkers awesome uh i've won a bunch of games with it and it's also just like incredibly fun to have a good way to play talia and i would argue that like 
while slightly gimmicky, it is good when it pops off. Nice, very nice. Gibbles, how about you? You have a go-to deck that you've uh, that you've gone through with the release here. Knowing that I really enjoy making decks, I'm actually very insulted that you just asked me to pick one. How am I well, supposed to pick one the week listen, after man, release? I didn't. Hey, I, I yeah, didn't. He, I named he like did three. It. Maybe it's because I don't I like I completely disregarded the rules. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to disregard the yeah, rules you too could, then. You could disregard them, sure. Um, I think there's a couple main ones, and I think I've posted some of them in Deck Tech um, to take a look at. Mainly, I have been playing a, a bit of variety. Um, I've tried making, I think I made it this one with DBN2, is I made a new uh, Spiders deck. Um, it's called Spooters. Um but it's a, yeah, it's a new spiders deck that's running that twisted tree line card as well as astral fox mm, uh, for mm-hmm. for a little extra burn damage at the end. It it performs pretty well, I think, since the meta has moved a little towards the center. It feels like there's less polarizing matchups. There's more space for all sorts of decks to to be played at this point. Oh, absolutely. Spiders has. Uh, perform pretty well i know in a slightly different version shout out to mayhemic mayhemic has also been running a spiders list and he has been laddering with it pretty effectively his is a little bit more burn though mine's been a bit more spider focused or aggro into mid-range the other deck that i have played quite often that probably similar to to, uh, dbn's tf swain deck for me that has been laddering, I think I would really consider taking this to a tournament if given the opportunity, was is a is a Yeti's deck. It mm. it is it feels so thick. Like the Yetis feel so thick. So early on in turns in the game. Hefty. They are hefty. They are furry. They are hefty. Mm-hmm. They are here to stay. Um I think yeah. it's it has performed pretty well just cheating out the new uh, the new Yeti, the new eight-cost Yeti. Abominable yep, Guardian. Abominable Guardian. It has been yep. quite an upgrade to the Yeti package. And if played correctly with some of the other um, Yeti summoners, it it can be very potent. Especially the fact, I think the biggest thing about that Abominable Guardian is that it puts new, it puts, when, when cheated out, it puts more Abominable Guardians in your deck. That is so key. Uh, to that card, yeah. so I love that deck. It's are fantastic. Playing, would recommend. Are you playing anybody. mono Yard or are you? What are you splashing? What do you? What's your killer? Your other faction? You're splashing. So I'm not playing mono uh, Yard. It's relatively close uh, to mono, though. I mean, so I'm playing it enough where I can play um, the Avarosin, um the plus three, plus three, and overwhelm the Allegiance well, Avarosin? Right. Well, actually, I take that back. I was playing it. I think I got rid of it. Um, but it is it's splashing P and Z, so it's got practical perfectionist in there. It's got uh, iterative improvement, some time tricks. That way, it's got some of the predict tools just to be able to increase the consistency of pulling the Yetis um, or yeah. getting the Yeti that you want. If you've already got something in hand that you want to pull, if you've already got an abominable guardian, pulling another cheap Yeti to be able to play that on board. So that way, you've got two at the end of the turn, and it summons that. You've got you're able to put a lot of pressure depending on what you can pull with tricks. So it's definitely a uh, a pretty solid archetype. I yeah. have been loving that deck. What about you? 
Yeah, well, for me, that's what that's like the only deck I've played. So uh, my Echo is almost level three um, because I've been playing Echo Yetis. So uh, no other champion, <laughs> just Echo P and Z, um, running uh, all of most of the package that you want to predict with. So Practical Perfectionist, you're running Time Tricks, um, and then you're running your Echoes, and then you're also running just like a ton of all of your all of your Yeti creating cards, right? So mm -hmm. your Avaros and Trapper, you're running. Um, your tall three copies of tall tales you're running mm -hmm. one copy of the the card that draws uh yetis from the top of the four cards top four cards of your deck um and i have an alarming win rate with that deck i almost never level up echo um he's just like draw for me like i'll gladly throw him down on four and take a block and kill something if i know i'm killing it and getting a time trick in hand that might be able to put an abominable guardian on the board next round like it's crazy like you have these rounds where sometimes it's like i play yeti yearling yeti yearling and it comes to my attack token on round three and i have two abominable guardians on the board and it's like that half your life is gone on turn three like two five fives dropped it's absolutely insane uh iterative improvements in that i'm even running like the parade card the one that creates four copies of the card it supports ah, in your deck parade um, electro rig yeah play, parade electro rig i'm running that because i'm just copying Adom abominable guardians um, it is incredible. And then today I was given a list by uh, Preeminence or Jonathan C in our Discord uh, on stream. And I've been messing around with that, which is Kindred Echo um, and using Echo to draw using Kindred and it's running um, uh, Pack Your Bags Go Hard. Um, and so a lot of draw for the Pack Your Bags Go Hard, a lot of control tools um, for getting your Kindred rolling, just a lot of like you know, sapping the life away from your opponent uh, slowly but surely. It's a tremendous amount of fun. Really uh, enjoying that. That deck needs some tweaking still. Like, there's some refining that can be done there. But I'm telling you, dude, Echo Yetis is maybe my favorite deck I've ever made. Maybe my favorite deck I've ever played. This may be the funnest I have ever had, most fun I've ever had in Runeterra. Like, hmm. I I think that the meta is at a crazy amazing place and maybe it won't be for long, but right now there's so many cards that have been changed. It just feels like the wild west and it is so much fun to play this game. Like I wanted to play all weekend and I couldn't, that hasn't been how I've been with LOR. Um, and uh, it's just been, wow. It's been really, really great. I don't know if you guys have had a similar experience at all, yeah. but I've definitely felt like, man, this is the funnest the game has ever been. Yeah, I've had the same experience. I think I was telling DBN earlier, it feels like a brand new game. It feels so amazing, so crisp and refreshing that every time I queue into something, it's most likely different. Or even if it is something where I'm queuing into the same deck that I've seen maybe a couple games ago, I'm not rolling my eyes when I see that deck across from me. It yeah, is I totally so, agree with that. It is so cool just to see. And I love I love the design direction that they took with a lot of this new stuff too. So that also helps with me just feeling feeling fresh about the new cards. So I am absolutely loving this. And I want to continue to keep deck building. And I actually have a desire to ladder right now, which is awesome. I haven't felt that in a little bit. Nice. Very nice. 
Well, there's a lot to talk about tonight, and we want to dive into it because there's a ton of card changes. We didn't get to all of the card releases for the most recent set, and now we have another set of cards that's coming out, which is absolutely insane um, with the new Ruination event. So we want to jump into that, but before we jump in, we're just going to say thank you to all of our patrons over at patreon.com slash legendscast. If you want to support the show, go over to patreon.com slash legendscast or grab the link in the notes for this show or in the description of this episode and uh, and throw us uh, you know a, a dollar an episode, four bucks a month, a quarter an episode that's a dollar a month gives you access to the backlog of uh, mulligan episodes uh and we will be adding to those uh after gibbles and bits is you know formally uh in the show and well, he is formally in the show but after everything gets you know we make sure everything's running smoothly and all of that we'll be returning to that so consider going over there and supporting us uh if you see value in what we're doing consider giving value back thank you to all of our current patrons you guys are awesome you make this all possible and i think it's next week right the uh, uh dbn right next week we're going to try to do a little announcement about the next season of the discord league do you want to say anything about that or yep. do you just want to wait now we're just going to wait uh we're finishing getting everything together on that uh we're almost there but uh, has to be uh, delayed uh the announcement one more week so uh, we will have something next week i know i said that before but hey uh stuff yeah, happens yeah, yeah. We have and people were busy over the yeah. fourth but uh but yeah we'll, we'll get back to you with that real yeah, soon it was a new release of an expansion people were busy over the fourth so we'll, we'll get back to that hopefully next week we'll have some information about the uh legends cast discord league season four coming up which will have some some new fun iterations uh, in comparison to what we've done in the past but what we want to do there was a lot of decks for deck name game that got submitted we want to pick one of those and gibbles and bits is our uh, our local expert in deck name game so i'm going to go ahead and give things over to him for our deck name game segment Showtime! You know it. This is where I step in and I will take hold of what we've got for deck name game. All right. So a lot of really cool stuff was submitted in deck name game. A lot of stuff that we could shout out here just because we've got so much else going on in the show this week uh, that we have to talk about. I'm going to make it pretty brief. Um, I do want to, uh, in standard fashion, I am going to mention a honorable mention. So honorable mention is going to go to Chris Angle with his deck Shopping Spree. Uh, it's a Tarek Vi deck in there. I love, one, the name. Uh, I think it's pretty creative. And I think that um, I play a couple games with this deck. It plays pretty cool. Uh, it's got a lot of cards that you don't typically see highlighted. Uh, we're talking about Jay Madara. Um, Madarda, sorry. You've got Intrepid uh, Mariner. Midstoke and henchmen those are cards that you typically see in a deck that performs at all somewhat cohesively so shout out to chris for one making cards that aren't used quite often playable but also putting them in a pretty creative unique deck so kudos to you my pick for this week though is going to go out to gangsta bob for his uh, deck get the ball to michael which is funny pre-show uh, Mark stepped in and said he thought that this was an, a reference to The Office. It is which not. Which it wasn't. Which it wasn't. I was wrong. One hundred percent. Listen, I don't get your sports references reference. together, yeah, I don't man. Do sports, bro. Like I don't know. Like if it doesn't have to do with The Office or video games, I pretty much don't know about it. Okay. <laughs> yeah, sport. This is this is absolutely a sports ball reference. This is a Michael Jordan specific reference. So get the ball to Michael. In this case, Michael is. Yeah, I love that we have to explain that because we're all a bunch yeah, of nerds we... and there's people. <laughs> we we realized we had to explain it after Mark 
got the reference <laughs> wrong. We're like, I guess we should explain. <laughs> yeah, there's this famous guy, this basketball player, you know? Listen, like, I don't know if you've I heard of him. His name was Michael Jordan. He, was. he has, like, shoes, on the and, you know? He's uh, on the and one shirts. His silhouette is on the and one shirts. I get it. Okay. Uh, you know, he had this movie where he played basketball with cartoon characters. I know about like, Space you know. Jam, bro. Okay. <laughs> I know about Space Jam. He played on them San Diego oh, Bulls, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, uh, so his deck, uh, get the ball to Michael, which Michael in this case is none other than uh, Rek'Sai. So this is a mono Rek'Sai deck. There's no other champion besides her, uh, where the goal of this deck is to level up Rek'Sai as quickly as possible, to pump her up as quickly as possible, and just swing for a massive amount of overwhelmed damage as quickly as you can in this early as, as you can. I think in his his post, he said uh, Gangsta Bob has run into games where he piloting the deck has uh, swung for ele- anywhere between 11 to 14 points of overwhelmed damage uh, by turn four, five, or six, which is insane. Um, there's not a lot you can do about that. She's already got a big, uh, big defensive stat to her, so by pumping up the offense, you can assume that she's living through at least one to two trades which is great, um, and that overwhelmed damage mitigates the idea of her dying even after a second or a third trade. And with her leveled up, she's staying on the board, so that's fantastic. Um, this deck pilots pretty uniquely. I played one game with it. I did lose the game, but that has no fault of the deck. That was all fault of me. Uh, it runs a lot of runs <laughs> uh, Xerxai Hatchling, Xerxai Caller, Xerxai uh, Zac- or Xerxareth, the Under Titan, so some of the Lurk a little bit package. of the lurk package. A little bit yeah, of the lurk sure. package. Golden throwing golden ambassador in there. Um Doomkeeper and Blade Squire for some early game. And then we're we're hitting uh the lurk and regular um Sharima um predict tools to try and control the draw of this deck as best as possible. I can imagine this deck is a hard mulligan condition for Rek'Sai early on, along with a lot of the buff tools. So super cool deck, super creative. Let's let's utilize Rek'Sai and get her as as quickly as possible up to her leveled version. So, kudos to you, Gangsta Bob, for making such a cool deck, especially early on in the expansion. I encourage anyone else to go out and try it. Very nice, yeah, nice big beefy Rek'Sai. It turns out a three mana three six um, that if you have the right cards in hand can stay on the board and become like a ten six with overwhelm uh, is pretty good and hard to deal with in the early game. Kind of a one trick pony, but if you can do it. Oh my gosh! Mm-hmm. I did see some people messing yeah. around with sort of like cheating up Rexai's attack just to like get her to stick to the board uh, in the early game and then just dominate your opponent because they can't come back from that. Luckily, it doesn't look like there's a terribly reliable way to do that because if there was, that would be absolute poison for this game. <laughs> absolute poison, yeah. but super yeah. interesting. So, uh, congratulations! Who was our deck name game? What was the name of the deck name game? Gangsta Bob with get the ball to Michael. Gangsta Bob, congratulations. Love that. Yeah, well done. Um, we're going to uh, go back and look at deck name game again in the next couple of weeks as you know we had a lot of submissions. Um, but we do want to move on into some of our main segments because we have to talk about Echo. We have to talk about card adjustments with the most recent patch, which we're just going to graze on. And then we do have to jump into the eight new cards that we've seen for the Ruination, which we're really excited about. So let's go ahead and, and jump on in. Time for the main event. <laughs> 
Okay, guys, in this segment, we are going to be looking at and discussing very specifically at first the cards that we did not get a chance to discuss, which most importantly is kind of like the end of the rise of the Underworlds and the Echo Package. Um, do you guys want to talk about Echo first before we look back at any of these other cards? Because Echo is incredibly interesting, incredibly powerful. Is that good with you guys? Absolutely. Okay, so let me tell you about Echo. Echo, because it's it's like my new favorite thing in the entire game, is a, a four mana, four two with quick attack that has strike, create a fleeting time trick in hand and level up you have predicted five times. Time trick is a two mana, burst spell that reads predict and then draw one which is just going to go find a card that you want out of three cards pick that one and draw it if you skip you'll just draw a card um, and it won't be one of the three that you were shown um, when he levels up he is a four mana five three with quick attack still um, and when i level up put three chrono breaks in your deck and then every time you strike you create a fleeting zero cost time trick which is just look at three cards and put one in your hand for free which is crazy and chrono break is revive all allies that died this round and then rally at a slow speed for three mana and you're gonna put three of those in your deck in addition to that his uh champion spell is called shot which reads draw one and create a chrono break in hand or i'm sorry a parallel convergence in hand Parallel Convergence, in, or I'm sorry, not in hand, in deck. I really messed that up. Two mana, slow spell, draw one, create a Parallel Convergence in deck. Parallel Convergence reads start an attack um, with an exact ephemeral copy of each ally. So you summon a whole bunch, four mana, summon a bunch of ephemeral allies. They're all going to be attacking for a free attack. Um, and you can, of course, put that in through Cold Shot with Ezreal's spell. I, I got to kind of get like a vibe from you guys because we have like, no conversation about this. And DBN, I'll kick it to you first. What was your initial thoughts about Echo? Because he's a complex card, seems like a very powerful card. And like gut reaction when you saw him before you started getting to mess around with him. What, what were your Echo thoughts? Yeah, no, it's it's everything that I wanted from a PNC champion. It's flexible uh, and it's versatile, which... Uh, you know, I think that there's two, there are two different things, right? I know flexible and versatile are often seen as synonyms, right? Um, but when I think about uh, versatile, I think about the types of things that it can uh, be involved in in a card game. So it can serve different purposes, whereas flexible to me, I think of in-game, how is it playing? Is it being able to adapt to different play styles? So I know the way I think about it, it may not work for everybody, but flexible is in-game while you're piloting, versatile is like when building decks and putting them into play styles and putting it into, you know, what the uh, average, you know, play rate of the uh, or, or position that you want to be in in the game is. Um, and, and it is both. And I love that for PNZ because I think PNZ has been sort of had and, and a lot of champions in this game are sort of these, you know, narrow focused uh, champs that aren't as, um, you know, able to uh, be picked up as a casual like, oh, I, you know, Twisted Fate being a great example. Twisted Fate something that if you can't figure out a second champ to do, uh, to play, you always consider TF just because of how darn good he is and how untethered he is to any specific synergy. And PNZ doesn't really have that so much. The closest, I guess, would be Vi and Ezreal. Ezreal does kind of push you into this sort of burn strategy and gives you a late game win condition, but he does require you also to target a bunch of stuff. Otherwise, he's not as valuable. Vi, very similar thing, although maybe, you know, has seen 
an era uh, where she's been used um, ver- versatilely, uh, but she's not very flexible, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so when you're at when you're piloting her in game, she does exactly what Vi does and can't really help you achieve anything other than confronting and challenging, so to speak, uh, you know, whatever the enemy's board state is, right? Um, so, uh, and then, of course, you have so many other champions, Victor and Heimerdinger and whatever, where they're really pigeonholed into a single strategy with single synergies. Echo doesn't just, he, he can't be pinned down, uh, you know, to any deck or time stream. This dude is <laughs> nuts, and at the end of the day, I, I said it before, a couple people were talking in the Discord, uh, you know, before we saw Echo, that they were worried that Echo Zillion was going to be like crazy hard shoehorned, and that obviously, oh man, Echo's obviously predict, and we're, everyone's only going to see predict uh, Echo Zillion. And I said to them, even at that time, I said, look, if uh, Echo has predict and has predict synergies, that's the best thing possible for, for PNZ because predict is inherently flexible. It is inherently going to be able to do things for PNC and open up doors for PNC to be slotted into other factions, other decks, other combos, and other archetypes. Um, so, you know, and, and Echo has delivered on that immensely. I also absolutely adore that you can, uh, you know, that he, he gets it off of strike um, because even if he dies in a trade, you'll still get that, uh, that time trick as he goes down. Um, which is just a massive amount of value. I you can build really hard around him and level him by the time he comes down, uh, or you can kind of play it slow and just hey, I'm getting I've got a four two quick attack and I'm getting an extra card off of it. And sometimes I'll use it and sometimes I won't. There's just so many ways to play him. He's versatile. He's flexible. Um, you know, I've been impressed uh, in his place in his play patterns, but I'm also just impressed. Uh, and I knew right off the bat that this is exactly something that's going to keep PNC relevant for a long time. Yeah, I mean, I could not disagree. I couldn't disagree. I cannot disagree with any of that. Like, as, yeah, I mean, he is, I, I want to get into it because Echo is like my favorite, but I, I do want to hear from Gibby too. Gibby, what's your experience been like with Echo? What were your thoughts on Echo when you saw him? I, I don't know if you've messed around with him much yet or not. You know, we've had less than a week to even have access to him, so. Yeah, I've played, I've played some some Echo so far. I echo, no pun intended, everything that you guys have said so far, uh, especially what ah, <laughs> what Ian has said. Hey, you, you did intend that. I sir. promise I that did. That pun it. was very much intended. Yeah, you that. Even if I did, it was still good. You like it. <laughs> so no, but for uh, for real, I do agree with everything that Ian said. And to continue that conversation, when I was evaluating what I thought about Echo's package from a I have never played League of Legends, so my perspective with a lot of these new champions, anytime a new champion enters the game, I'm not thinking about it from what I know about the character from the champion from LOL and the way they play on the field, what lane they're playing in, what their style is, how effective they are, what meta they've gone through. I'm not thinking about it from that perspective. So my opinion may differ from some of the rest of the discords about maybe the way that they're utilizing some of the cards or the kit. I do know just from... Uh, listening to some other content, uh, shout out to Twin Suns podcast, uh, that they, when they when they were uh, interviewing the uh, Riot devs on, on their podcast, they do try to incorporate some of the things from their kits in LOL to the cards. And it sounds like they did a pretty mm-hmm. effective job of that with Echo, which I think is pretty cool whenever they're able to do that. Um, I also really like to continue what Ian was saying 
Um, I think the fact that Echo is centered around Predict and a flexible version of Predict is exactly what PNZ needed. I think about that from the long term. PNZ, similar to, I would compare it to Ionia in a way, is a faction that depending on a couple key cards or maybe a couple champions or two hinges on whether the whether the the faction is utilized pretty effectively throughout a meta or just non-existent at all and echo to me is the bridging of that gap because predict is flexible and melds well with whatever the meta brings in terms of wanting drawing consistently consistently and eliminating the variability in your deck and what you see, what you're drawing turn by turn, will never be out of style in any deck or in any meta. So with Echo being being focused around that ideal, PNZ to me, for the long term, I don't ever see becoming, unless they nerf some very key cards, I don't see PNZ ever fading out of the meta. It'll always have a foothold, at least to a degree, somewhat to what we see Noxus, somewhat to what we see Demacia, somewhat to what we see Shadow Isles. There will always be a deck that fits because there's always going to be a deck that wants to draw consistently and will and will utilize that more, maybe more effectively than other cards. And Echo is a tool to be able to do that. Um, I love that they gave Echo quick attack, so he has a little bit of survivability, but he's also killable with some spells. You can, if you put effort in, you can kill Echo, but you have to put in the effort and focus him, which if you're trying to think about thematically, trying to catch someone who's quick and shifty and mm-hmm. trying to yeah. sure. relapse time, you ha- you maybe you can get maybe you can get a hold of the guy, but you have to focus on it. I think that is really, really cool. I think they did a fantastic job in flavor, design, where this card is gonna fit and this champion's gonna fit in the meta. And I would expect this to cement P and Z as legitimate in metas to come because of echo and some of the support cards around it i mean p and z has always been a faction that you're like should i splash p and z in order to pick up you mm-hmm. know arcane shot like that is like because the two mana deal two to anything has always just been such a staple in the game and and, and now you're gonna ask can i splash p and z just to get arcane shot and time trick because time trick in my opinion, is maybe the absolute most powerful card in the game. Anything that lets you draw like that, anything that allows you to get some it's level of... It's it's pre-nerf Pale Cascade level. Yes, yeah. oh, I totally agree with that. Yeah, I think it's pre-new. And it might be easier. You just don't have the prerequisite on this thing. Now you're not getting a buff, but you you don't get the prerequisite on this thing of having to play. No, they, serve, card. they serve different and purposes. It's burst it's entirely, entirely fair. Yeah, it's burst. Like you can, like you can wait for your opponent to do something, and then be like, I'm gonna go see if I can't find the card that I need. Pick the card that you need. Get the card you need in hand and use it that round. Like time trick to me is bonkers and the fact that it's linked to an echo and that's the other thing that you were saying about the versatility like you may be able to run a deck that is running you know two champions from the same faction and just splash pnz to grab time trick or to grab time trick and arcane shot or you may have a faction that is only running 
one champion and you just want the ability to draw, let's say you're playing uh, Freljord and you, for whatever reason, you're playing Anivia, but you're not playing Shadow Isles, which is ridiculous, but let's just say hypothetically you were doing that. <laughs> and you were like, you know what? I really want Time Trick um, uh, to be able to you know, create some reliability around getting my stuff. This is a terrible example, by the way, because you would just use the the card that you know pulls your champion from the deck. But if if this example, I mean, you know what's not bad with Anivia though is Chrono Break. Chrono Break's very good with Anivia. Great like, you, you could It's like completely legitimate to pull in time tricks and in Echo, and and because Echo can literally level himself up in some cases, mm -hmm. like he because he generates the cards that level him up. You can it's un it's unrealistic. But you can legitimate level up Echo without a single card that says predict in your deck because Echo is a package in himself. He is a three-card package that can level himself up. And if he levels himself up, he creates a win strategy in your deck. It, 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 he's unbelievable to me. I mean, he's, he's so good. But he doesn't feel broken. Mm -mm. Like, he feels so strong, so versatile, so fun. But he doesn't feel completely busted he reminds me a yeah, lot of the, TF. it's the two defense effect yeah the two defense effect yeah i i, I agree i think that is yep. a huge part of it and in and, and also it's just like he generates draw but not necessarily like this oh my gosh if i don't get rid of him right now he's gonna level up and this guy's gonna win the game off of it right like azir creates sort of that feeling of impending doom like i can't do anything about this azir and he's just gonna destroy me um echo doesn't really yep. do that but echo does just create value and draw predictability he's versatile he's in, he's enjoyable he's fun if you can level him up you could maybe end the game later the idea of shuffling stuff back into your deck is so cool um i, I love all i love everything about that and i think we had said that we were each going to try to pick like one card from the other rise of the underworld stuff that got spoiled or you know it's released now um dbn do you have one other card from the set and you can have other thoughts on echo too if you want to chime in you know whatever but yeah, i just thought I'm, we all love echo right so yeah no echo's good i i did get killed by a triple chrono break loop oh that hurts that was not cool uh yeah he actually so what was funny is he had no cards in hand swings with echo i trade into the echo uh and kill the echo with my leviathan he gets the time trick finds chrono break and then continues to loop that one card into th the all three chrono breaks and i lost the game oh my uh, it God. was statistically improbable and also awful oh no uh, <laughs> it's a terrible way to lose yeah. the game <laughs> it absolutely is i mean to to have that happen and have each time he time tricked to have gotten another chrono break it just ouch town population uh, you, but that's bro. okay <laughs> ah, for real man uh but no the the biggest card i got to talk about i mean and there's some cool ones in here you know um boom baboon is really interesting um you know i think um actually the l nook is going to be neat as well but the one i really want to talk about is line them up knock them down mm. so line them up knock them down to me has completely reinvigorated uh twisted fate i think it's and and his cohorts uh and, and primarily i've been playing him with um gangplank and then i've also been playing him with swain now i think the swain version is better although there are some advantages to the tf gangplank uh version uh but at the end of the day line him up with twisted fate allows you to do a two point you know wipe it also allows you to do a um a three point and stun 
And then when you pair it with literally anything else, obviously at burst speed, you can summon a keg, which can then go for make it rain or um, it can you know boost up death's hand to make sure you're pinging a bigger thing. Um, I seriously can't say enough good things about this card. The fact that it also generates, I mean, honestly, I would play this at two mana burst speed, summon a powder keg. Okay, but then it also gives you another card that you can use to finish off a, uh, a removal piece or smack the face if you're playing Gangplank and you need to make sure you're uh, pinging the face to get him leveled. Like, uh, line him up, knock him down is is just straight up in insane. It is insane how good this card is, especially in TF Swain. Um, it, it ain't going anywhere. Uh and I'm, I couldn't be happier with this card. This feels bilgewatery. This feels like with this and make it rain. Finally, feels like bilgewater are shooting cannons at things. Oh yeah, I I, I haven't played this card yet, but I looked at it and I was like, this is burst speed to summon a keg. It's pretty cool. Like that's pretty strong. It's it's so fun. It is the funnest thing. And ever. a big thing about that card is if like he like uh, DBN mentioned, if you use line them up to get the uh, the spell damage advantage and you use something other than knock them down uh, to mm. to do the damage that's buffed because of the, the, the keg that's created, it basically says to your opponent, you not only have to have an answer, you have to have an answer that is two plus what the damage is going to be because if it's only one plus just to keep it alive barely, then knock them down. Knock, knock them down, down we'll is just going to finish it. So it yep. requires you to have a premium answer, not just an answer. Mm. Yeah. It requires you um, to be playing, and, and uh, it, to be playing uh, Frail Yord. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, pretty, mu pretty, pretty much. Uh, yeah, or tough. Uh, but no, you know, it's it's just, it's awesome what this can do for um, Swain and leveling things faster as well. You know, um, it's incredible. I've been playing it with a triple Riptide Rex uh, in... Um, not that you pair this with Rex, but um, using like Nab and uh, basically almost mono uh, Bilgewater with uh, Gangplank TF, and that's been pretty good too. Um, and like swiping a bunch of cards for some uh, for some resource extension. Uh, using the Yordle Grifter again feels great mm. uh, because warning shots feel good. Yeah, it's been a, it's been a blast. Uh, I, I I was so happy to see this card, and then it combined with Make It Rain uh, buff. I yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. Bilgewater, Bilgewater's back, baby. I can I can stop complaining about uh, it. Yeah, they 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 have resurrected it in many ways. How about you, uh, Gibbles? You got a card uh, that wasn't one of the pieces of the Echo package that you wanted to talk about a little bit? Sure. Um, it's going to be a card that isn't necessarily one that I've played because it's because I've played an overwhelming amount of it. I have played some of it. I just think it's a very interesting design, and I'm interested to see where this card. How, what kind of representation this card has in competitive decks in the casual community, also the competitive community going forward, is Drop Border. Drop Border to me is a very cool and unique card. So Drop Border is the one cost, one three, one or one attack, three defense common card that says if you see me in a prediction, summon me automatically. I think the value of Drop Border is really cool and really good, but there's also a downside to the card of seeing the card in your hand if you mm -hmm. draw it naturally, which, granted, is a lot less likely when you are predicting as often as you are. Most likely, if you're running this card, you're running a lot of predict tools, which lowers the chances of you seeing this card in your hand 
because you are predicting other things. Or if you do see it in a prediction, then it's just going to summon one of the three copies that you've got in your deck somewhere. So the likelihood of seeing it in your hand organically is not super high to begin with, but when you do, it kind of feels bad. You're more likely to spend your mana, even though this is at one mana, you're more likely to spend your mana elsewhere. But when you do see it in predicts as often as you do, and it's just summing it on board, it is pretty good value. A 1-3, either for just one point of extra damage that they're not going to block, or as an extra chump blocker with a pretty big butt that in your early game can survive a trade or two and get you into the mid game with especially as slow as Zillion Echo is as a deck. It doesn't necessarily have a very aggressive early game. It's either banking spell mana to play some of those predict tools or it's waiting to drop Echo or drop a Zillion and not pushing a lot of damage on attack on attack turns. It wants to kind of survive to the mid game or late game where it thrives and it starts to build up steam and utilize some of those more effective tools. I think drop border is really important for that archetype. And I've seen yeah. some, I've seen a mixed opinions on it, which is why I picked the card. I really love that there's mixed opinions on it because that creates a deck uh, variety and deck variability. Some competitive streamers swear by this card. I think this card is fantastic. They're putting it in every deck that they have that's predict. Some and maybe it's a matter of what what your experience has been with it and if you've run into it in a bad situation or not drawing it in hand but some other streamers and some some casual players that I've that I've had uh, conversations with don't like the card and they've cut it because they don't think that the the value is good enough and they'd rather use that deck slot for something else or they think that the downside situation is bad enough of seeing it in hand that it's just not worth running which is also viable so I get that but I think this card will continue to be interesting especially as they add more predict tools and as predict gains more steam i don't think predicts going anywhere oh I, no. i'm interested to see just kind of what the representation of this card is as an early drop well it's not even it's it's not even that like it's it's uh it's simply zilli especially zillion um Echo's ability to slow the game down by dropping free things on board when they're spending most of their mana digging right. Like that's uh that that's the value here, you know. Um, you're right. It definitely sucks to draw it in hand, but if you pull it off of a predict, <clears throat> you're basically getting board presence. You're getting a blocker for no mana and no hand commitment, which is um, pretty much unheard of in the game so far. So that's cool. Yeah, I think draw border is an interesting card. I played with it a little bit. Uh, did not love it in the iteration that I played with it, but that's because I didn't have enough predict to get it out with predict reliably mm -hmm. um, because I was running Frail Yord. I was running Yeti. So this was in my Yeti's deck just because I put all the predict stuff in. And I uh, probably much better when it was it's teamed up with Zillion it's or something, you know. It's definitely sucky if you're playing. It, honestly, it's sucky if you care about your board state because um, if you care about pushing you know an aggressive board state this card is a waste of space mm -hmm. at one three it's not threatening and at one three it's not trading the only thing this does is defend you but in a deck where you're advancing your win condition proactively through predicting and through finding whether it's um you know the the hexite crystals or finding time bombs or finding uh that stupid Kahiri. uh make it rain no uh pack your bags uh-huh sure um whatever your win con is if it's slow this is and based on predict this is going to be a consideration because it is 
its only job is to defend you. And it does that pretty well. And it does that for very little resource commitment. I've seen this yeah. used in a lot of Kahiri decks where it's trying to pull Kahiri through predicts and it's focusing a lot of on that, but it's not doing much else in the early turns. This is a very good card for something exactly like that. Man, if Kahiri had overwhelm, man, he would be good. <laughs> he doesn't, so he's be bad. Used, he'd be all crying. Yep. Um, for me, the card that I want to highlight is uh, Practical Perfectionist, the three mana four two um, from PNZ that plays, predict, creates three copies of the card that you chose to predict. Um, and this card, it, this card for me is like, it's so fun, it's so cool, so much PNZ e like it's 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 captured so much of the heart of pnz and then combined it with this new flare that's coming out in pnz with echo because you're getting the predict but you're also getting the copy of cards in your deck which is something that really only pnz has done and is so unique to them and so cool to them and this card in yetis is absolute fire um, because this is one of your ways that you're going to like it, it's it's so incredible because if you see your indomitable guardian you not only are you putting one on top of your deck which is exactly what you want to do but you're also stacking three more of them in your deck which is exactly what you want to do this is everything in one and it is a three mana four two so it is going to trade up into a lot of things when you're blocking or even if you have a couple five five yetis on the board this is no joke this is another four points of damage that you're pushing um, for me, Practical Perfectionist is one of the coolest cards that's come out in this set, and it's definitely one of my favorites. Um, it may not be the best, uh, and in, in a lot of scenarios, it's probably not. And there are times when you see stuff that you want to skip because you do not want to create copies of it in your deck. But a lot of times, you're going to see something that you want to see. You're going to put it on top of your deck, so you're going to grab it next turn. And you're going to put more of them in your deck? Um, yes, please. Please do that for me. Um, and Practical Perfectionist does it in spades. Love this card. Um, and uh, art on it is great. The, the direction is great. The theming is great. The mana space is great because you're getting it down before a lot of your four mana champs um, like your Echo and, uh, you know, other other cards. So love this. Practical Perfectionist. Probably one of my, probably one of my all-time favorite cards in this set, outside of you know maybe Echo and Time Trick. Um, th that's also because I have not played Lurk once yet. Um, <laughs> so that may be part of it. Like I haven't messed around with Lurk, so that's why I, I like the Echo package so much. But yeah, love, 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 love this card. Um, any other closing thoughts, guys, on the on the PNZ cards that uh, that we had not had a chance to talk about? One final comment about PNZ. Sorry to my friend in Discord, XD60. I am so happy that we are seeing a predominant PNZ theme that is not revolving around Teemo or mm -hmm. around Ezreal. <laughs> so I love that this has opened well, the doors. Hold off on that one. I love that this has opened the doors. You can have a deck with Echo and you can have a deck with Teemo or, or, or Ezreal. But the fact that as is going to be back. The and that's fine. That's totally oh, yeah. fine. But the fact that there's other mixes in there for PNZ makes me very happy. That's oh, good. Yeah. I, I, agree. I totally agree with Practical that. Perfectionist, to me, just I want to say one thing about it. Uh, I don't know if this card would be playable if it didn't have four attack, but because it has four attack, it's pretty darn good. Yeah, uh, honestly, honestly, that's like 100%. If it, did, if it, had, if it had reverse stats, I, it would be a bad card. Um, oh, yeah, I agree. But it... Mm -hmm. At four attack, it will trade up into a lot of stuff. It's a good. It card. demands that you respect three. it on board, along with its ability. 
Yeah, I think even at three attack, it wouldn't be as good. I agree. I th I think I four attack makes this card playable for its effect because yeah, at three mana, it's hard to justify predict. Uh, at three mana, it's hard to uh, justify a a unit that doesn't trade up because mm -hmm. there's so many units that do trade up or have that have really bonkers value generation. This doesn't really uh give you value. All it does is improve hand state. Now that's important for some decks, but because it's coupled with, you know, a very aggressive um uh, stat line, you know, for board state, yeah, it's great. Love yeah. it. Good stuff. Well, guys, we do want to jump over into a lot of the adjustments that were made because in addition to getting this new set of cards, we also got like I don't know what 24 or something ridiculous amount of card adjustments so if you guys don't remember just a couple episodes ago i think it was episode where we talked about the two patches like something 0.9 and, and 9.0 or something mm -hmm. 0.11 um we talked a lot about the outrage from the community around very few card changes well that was not the case here in fact there are so many card changes we literally do not have time in this episode to talk about them all or even be able to evaluate yet which ones are the most impactful which i think is more important is that there's not been enough time to experiment with all of these card changes to even know what is going to come out of it like Trindamir got adjusted. I haven't seen him played against me yet. I don't know if it makes a difference, you know, that he picked up tough in addition to, you know, fearsome and, and overwhelm. Um, but we want to dive in because each one of us has picked out one champion and one card that's not a champion that we wanted to highlight and talk about and say, keep your eye on this. Either it's being played a lot right now or it will be played a lot. I'm going to start with Gibbles and Bits and throw it back to him and have him highlight the champion first that he wants to talk about um, because uh, there's been a lot. I, I, don't, I don't even know how many champions have been adjusted, but there's been a lot of champions that were adjusted. Sure. So I think my the champion that I want to highlight here that I think has made a pretty substantial it's that's received a pretty su substantial improvement through the balance changes in this most recent balance patch. Um, I think possibly my favorite champion change in here is Sivir. Sivir's level run one requirement for those of you either who haven't played around with it yet or maybe haven't seen the patch notes. The level up requirement for Sivir previously was you've dealt 35 plus damage, so 35 or more damage. And it's been reduced to you've dealt 30 plus damage. Now, I speak that this is a relevant adjustment from my personal experience with the amount of time where I have been on an attack and I'm sitting floating around 20 to 25 damage or maybe 25 to 28 damage, and I'm having to think about the ordering of who's attacking when or even just that after all of these attacks, now Sivir, Sivir is going to be leveled up where I wish she was leveled up before or towards the beginning order of this attack because then everybody who else is attacking after her would receive all of the, as her level 2 requirement, as her level 2 uh, ability states, would receive all of the keywords that she has on her on her person, being the spell shield, being the, being the quick attack. That's huge for keeping a, a pressure centric board state going from 35 damage to 30 damage is a really big thing i think that this is going to be super relevant i think this also despite only being five damage it may not feel like a lot when you're looking at it from a text perspective but i think this opens the doors a lot for Sivir to be 
played outside of the two striking classes. I think there's enough decks that over time, because she doesn't have to be on the board for the 30 dam for the damage to start racking up. I think that this opens the doors for her to be played in a wider, wider variety of decks. You could ostensibly, and I think I've seen some people do it. I tried to do a Pike Sivir deck so that way you could I could chain Pike's kills to count towards her level up. I unfortunately was unable to make that happen. Maybe it was just the amount of other decks that I ran into or me just not being used to piloting Pike so far yet. Um, but there's there's the mm. possibility of that there or just the lurk tools and the lurk units growing and pushing mm. more and more damage on board. I've seen some Noxus decks. We made our Rose Buddies deck, DBN and I did, that ran Sivir. Sivir, I played a couple of games with that from the level up. Sivir now levels up much earlier, almost upon drop now, just on the average with that deck, which is fantastic. So I think this opens up her to be played in a lot more classes or a lot more combat deck combinations with regions. And I think she's a lot more reliable of a champion because she really shines at her level two ability. Hmm. They agreed. Yeah, I've never played Sivir, so I don't honestly have a strong opinion. Um, but uh, I will say this: thirty damage over thirty-five damage is a heck of a lot more appealing to me. Oh, absolutely. Uh, my yeah. my champion of choice um, is going to be. Uh, I, I, have, I have like a couple that I wanted to pick, but it, it's it's I wanted to pick one that got reverted because I think it's important to note that there are a ton of cards that had previously been nerfed. Maybe you're new to the game and you didn't realize that this card was previously like this. It looks like they got buffed. What they really got was reverted back, which was a buff. So mine is Karma. So Karma went from six cost down to five cost. So Karma was a five cost champion before. And in many cases, Karma was pretty stinking busted at five cost. Um, uh, not because you can play her on five necessarily, sometimes, but typically because if you play her after you're enlightened, which means you're at 10 plus mana and you play her that the rest of the mana that you have left, that one extra mana that you have left in your pool to be able to use is really significant with Karma. It just allows you to do a lot more on the turn that you drop her. Um, and so my opinion is, I think you're going to see easy Karma come back. Um, I know that maybe people aren't experimenting with it yet because there's been so many new things, but I don't see any reason that easy Karma doesn't see some sort of a return. Um, and uh, and so my pick is like, there's not really even a lot to say about it other than like, yep, Karma's now five mana again. That was a big change whenever it came and a welcome adjustment that they made and they reverted her back because she hasn't been seeing play. I'm excited to see what people can do with Karma and I want to get Karma back onto the game, into the game. Like I've been looking at like Karma Ash um, and some other combinations. Like, okay, where can we play Karma at now? And is she viable again? Or was she only viable at five mana before um, because the game was slower? We had less cards, Aurelia Azir didn't exist, that sort of thing. Um, that's what I'm interested in looking at. So Karma is is my pick of the card that I wanted to highlight. I think it's interesting that they reverted her. Um, DBN, how about you? What's the card you wanted to look at? Yeah, I mean, it's just straightforward, but uh, Talia getting another buff. Yep. And this one is what they should have done from the get-go. Um, this should have been her level... This, this should have been her leveled-up ability uh, from launch. Uh, like, uh, basically, in the past... You know, once leveled, the attack skill that she generates would have said, deal two to my blocker. Uh, if you have a landmark, do this two more times. Now, 
You don't need that requirement. You get to deal two to their blocker three times. Um, and of course, if it's dead or gone, deal two to the enemy nexus instead. This is freaking huge, okay? Um, a lot of times you'd be, if you really wanted to get Talia leveled on five or on six, you're dropping Talia, you're cloning a landmark, and then, um, you know, hopefully pressuring there. But on the turns after that, you're oftentimes running out of gas on landmarks. Now, there are times where you do have extra landmarks, and it's fine. But in any situation where you didn't have a landmark on board with her, and oh, by the way, um, if you're cloning something like Rock Bears or Thralls, you know, um, well, maybe not Thralls, Thralls stick around, but if you're cloning something like Rock Bears, uh, your board's getting full. You don't have, you know, if you're trying to close out the game with units, you don't have room to drop a crappy uh, landmark, or if you do, you're actively making it worse. And if you're playing something like Rock Hopper, which needs the room to spawn it, um, you can't do it unless you until you lose a unit. So... There were just too many situations where uh, Talia would attack and only get the one rock uh, shard being chucked. And now you can always get three rock, rock shards being chucked at, uh, at the enemy. It is There's a lot more consistency. You know that once you level Talia, not only is uh, her ability consistent, uh, but it's also pretty freaking good. Mm -hmm. um, and and the, the issue before was, yeah, it's good, but it's not consistent, plus you have to commit to landmarks. Well, you still have to cl commit to landmarks, but the payoff is at least reliable. So Talia's huge. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, up until the new Reaver's Row card where it summons the Every turn upon counting down, it summons summons something to do with the the one those one cost units. Mm -hmm. No other landmark in the game says yes. Please keep me on board for as long as possible. I want to be continuing to count down. No, all the landmarks that have been out so far say get my get my countdown to zero so I can get a payoff effect. So the mm -hmm. idea of having something trying to get something to stay on board just so you can continually get Talia's effect is kind of counterproductive to the idea of what her concept design is. So I really love yep. the change they do. I completely agree 100%. It should have been her level up from the get-go. I literally remember playing Talia once and getting her leveled up and attacking it and only getting one stone shard. And I was like, oh, this this sucks. I forgot about this, and I'm not playing Talia anymore because this is the worst. <laughs> this is like, not yeah, anymore, this, sir. This is such a ridiculous commitment to the landmarks because uh, all of hers count down. They just go away, and then she sucks again. It's like I did all this work to level her up, and now she sucks again because I have to I have to do maintenance on this leveled up champion. Um, yeah, and that, that, that's a good way to put it, yeah. doing maintenance. But I, I can tell you from playing it from with this buff, it makes a world of difference. Talia is scary now. Mm -hmm. Well, the question is just going to be getting a good enough package surrounding her to compete at higher levels. But for now, at least Talia is really scary. Well, and to to revert back to a point you mentioned earlier on in the podcast, you I think you was at Silent Eric that you said had a build that was utilizing the the new field, field promotions. promotions card where it gives a unit the next unit you play scout, so it's attacking multiple times, leveled up Talia doing those two stones each with those three times, uh, those two damage each with those three stones is huge. If you're doing that multiple times a turn, that's fantastic. Yeah, it's Talia is actually, now that her level up is consistent, she's one of the best keyword carriers in the game. Mm. Um, if she gets elusive, bonkers. Nothing blocks her, she chucks six damage at face. She gets overwhelmed, she removes the thing, and then hits face herself. She gets scout, she does it twice. I mean, she is one of the best uh, receivers of keywords, um, just flat right now um so you know 
uh, challenger. Yeah. Oh, Another yeah. great keyword. You go and pick what you want to kill, right? Um, it's uh, Talia's downright scary now that it's more consistent and doesn't require, like Mark said, maintenance. Well, you know, one of the things I think about Talia that I've always kept in the back of my head as well as a lot of other champions, it's like you see their whole package in a set, right? The package is done. Here is what it is. This is what you're going to get for them. Try to make it work. With Talia, because she works with Landmarks, which is an entirely new card type, you know that in the next yep. expansion, the next expansion, the next expansion, we're going to probably keep getting Landmarks. And all it's going to do is slowly but surely open up avenues for Talia and Shurima to play with other regions as other regions consistently get more Landmarks. So you get like, uh, you know, you get Targon and you get like uh, the Eye of Raharag. And that's like, oh, okay, now I can kind of mm -hmm. go over here, maybe mess around and play with Talia in this area and like oh we got some frail yard stuff i can play there and like we got a new not that you're gonna play it with bilge water but you got some new bilge water tools and a new bilge water card that's gonna chop stuff on the board and you're like maybe i can go mess around with bilge water a little bit you know i think it well, gives new options which is always great let me just say i think the thing that now i was already kind of on the field promotion angle myself um you know i was already looking at all the champs that field promotion was good with and i looked at talia uh, for that, especially once I saw the buff, and I was like, okay, that would be pretty good. What was really brilliant, I felt about Silent Eric's list. Now, I'm not claiming this to necessarily be tier one, but I have played it, and I've won a lot more than I've lost. Um, but uh, is the fact that at this point with that list, um, Eric is not running spells. He's running nine spells, period. Uh, and, you know, um, the reason being is now he can drop Stony Suppressors in the list. Oh. There are enough landmarks now and enough units between uh, Sharima to, you know, in order to give vulnerable, create landmarks, uh, predict, stuff like that, and enough um, uh, units in Demacia that can grant Challenger or uh, interact with your opponent's board state. Removal, as Sharima already had, is almost entirely uh, board centric. Yeah. Right? So instead of, you know, in, in, in the pursuit of leveling Talia as fast as possible and then utilizing Talia and Sivir as two, you know, extremely difficult to deal with and, and high pressure uh, champions at four and five, um, both which take Scout really, really well as a keyword and carry Scout as a keyword exceptionally well. Um, at the end of the day, Stony Suppressor shuts out a lot of spell-based decks, which we're seeing a lot of right now. I, I boxed out this poor Ezreal player uh, who is sitting there like trying to play all these mushroom clouds for two mana. It's just it the, just doubled the efficiency uh, or or halved the efficiency, I should say, uh, of anything spell-based where normally decks would either be fully committed to just running units and have that clunky sort of package. But now the landmarks give you the card draw. They give you the challenger off of the Grand Plaza. Mm. You know, you're getting all of these, um, you know, utility options through landmarks. And the more landmarks come out, the more you're going to be able to do that and the more you're going to see, you know, anything that can punish spells, um, is, is going to, uh, that's going to have a home. Sony Suppressor has been borderline MVP uh, in that list. And, and I've just been so, so impressed with the, the thought that went into that deck. Now I have made some changes of my own, uh, but that's okay. Uh, it, it's a, it's an incredible list. Uh, I think it's in deck name game actually, but um, yeah, um, come but to our Discord and day, check it out. It's a great chance to plug that. At the end of the day, Talia is now, I said it before, Talia is scary now. Um, and I'm, I'm just really hoping 
that um, she starts seeing some play in tournaments and stuff outside of just uh, with Lysandra for Turbo Thralls. Mm-hmm. Well, I think we're going to hit like an in-between here before we jump into non-champion cards. I want to highlight the fact that uh, Azrilia got hit really hard, and we're not talking about any of those things specifics, but uh, Aurelia went from have 12 units attacked to 14. Azir went from having summoned 10 units to summoning 13 units, uh, and then a couple of additional cards also got hit Dancing Droplet, which was oftentimes a card one mana, one one with Elusive. And um, when I am returned draw one, it now lost a tune where it previously had a tune in addition to that. Um, and then uh, we also had hit, I'm, I'm scrolling through, um, Dune, Dune Keeper. Keeper. Yeah, Dune Keeper went from a, a one mana, two, one that summons a Sand Soldier to a one mana, one, two that summons a Sand Soldier. So that's four cards that were all pretty much, I mean, obviously the two champions and all the staples. I mean, here's the funny part. Azir really got hit and I played against it today. And guess what it was? Still good. It was, but it mm-hmm. felt fair. It was the first time that I played against Azir Aurelia, and I was like, dang, that was a close game. I ended up pulling it out in the end. I probably had a slightly favorable matchup into it because I was playing Yeti, so I had some big, thick boys to absorb some blows. He still leveled Azir. Like, he still leveled Azir, but it probably took him an extra turn to level Azir, and that made a big difference. It, It didn't feel like it was oppressive, and it didn't feel bad in any way. It just felt like... This is a good deck, and this seems to be a fair deck. I don't think that they actually, believe it or not, hitting both champions and two key cards, I don't believe nerfed this deck into the ground. That's how powerful it was pre-nerf. Like, I think wild. I think you're right. No, I, I think you're totally right, but I think um, it, it's, a, it's a demonstration of exactly what I said a couple weeks ago when we were talking about why it was strong, what the issue is. And, and I'm not the only one saying this. You know, this is uh, something that, that I'm, I mean, Swim in his video talked about at length when the deck first came out. He was saying, this deck, it was, it's not aggro the way we think about it. Yes, it wins quickly and it applies pressure quickly, but it is an aggressive combo deck. The combo is you know, uh, fast, but disruptible. Okay, but it's uh, nonetheless a combo. So these nerfs don't break the combo. It doesn't make summoning almost infinite uh, blades and sand soldiers uh, less, you know, or or it doesn't render that obsolete. It doesn't stop you from doing that and buffing them. It just slows down that combo. Yeah. Because it it prevents the level of Azir for another round or two. Same with uh, Aurelia. It stems the, not infinite, but it stems the mana that you generate off of the Dancing Droplet, which on the average game, if you got Droplet on one or two, you'd get about three, maybe four mana for free off of that, off of the Attune. Um, And then the Dune Keepers were probably the strongest one drop in the game for a long time. So that probably was called for maybe two or three patches before. Uh, (laughs) but, but But the point I'm making here, right, is that I love that that is the case. I still don't like the deck, but that might change over you know the next couple months as I don't see it as much and it's not as oppressive. At the end of the day, what they did is they slowed down the combo and didn't break the combo. And that's, I think, all you can ask for them. And that's like the level of, of I think, respect for, um, you know, they said from the get-go, we like what this does. Mm-hmm. We like how it plays. I disagree 
I still think that all the free attack spamming is annoying as heck. Uh, but at the end of the day, if the game is more balanced because of it and they like that, it is their game to design. And I am I very much respect the direction this went, and I, I hope it continues to be enough, and I think it will be. So, yeah, really good job. Yeah, there's yeah. a bad taste in the community's mouth from this deck and the way that it operated for however many months it did and kind of went untouched, at least for the most part. So I can imagine a lot of people still not being happy to see this uh, pop up from them on the other side of the board, me included. But I am happy to see what they've done. I haven't lost to it since the patch came through. I've had some very close games, kind of similar to Mark's experience. But um, I am happy to report that I think they did an effective job about taking the linchpins of this deck down a notch and really knee, not kneecapping it, but maybe just a light baseball bat tapped to the shin you know somewhere, <laughs> somewhere in the middle a slap, more than a slap go. on the wrist yeah. but not kneecapping it with a pistol yeah i mean other right. uh, other card games and even this game at times have, have totally completely gutted a, a strategy a synergy a deck and it's just been off the face of the earth and i was just i was genuinely intrigued the first time i came up against it because i was like i want to see what will happen will this deck now be total trash or will it still be oppressive? And I thought it was gonna be one of those two, and it wasn't either of them. It was like, this was close. I felt like this was fair. I didn't feel like I was a guaranteed loser. I didn't feel like I would have to think about this deck in deck building. I felt like I need to think about how to combat this deck once I'm queued against it. And that is what I mean when I say fair. Like an unfair deck says, before you ever queue up against it in deck building, you have to make sure that you have tools to beat it. In this case, it was like, nope, I can use the tools at my disposal for smart gameplay and hopefully be able to beat this deck once I'm queued against it. And uh, I felt like that was, they hit that. But let's dive into the cards. We each want to highlight one card. And of course, there's like a dozen cards that got uh, changed um, that were not a champion. Um, but Gibbles, why don't you talk about the card that you want to chat about that is a non-champion adjustment? Sure. So... A card that I thought received a a, a, a card that was kind of out of sight, out of mind, that received a buff in this most recent patch that I think has had a pretty substantial effect on its play rate, on the effectivity maybe of some of the tools and the way that a faction is used. I really like the change they made to Twin Disciples. Uh, the two mana, it was three mana, now two mana, burst spell in Ionia uh, that says give an ally plus three attack or plus three defense this round. That is a fantastic tool to use in Ionia. I think Ionia for a long time has, they're not known for having high attack units or really for that matter having high defensive units, but having kind of some tricky tools to, to play around their opponent in in some ways it's either a, a it, it mostly is used the ionia is used as a subst as a substance a class as a complement to other decks it's not like hey i'm gonna run this mono ionia deck that uh besides the things that run elusive it's a lot they've got a lot of a, elusive units or things that now with lulu buff the the stat line use some other other tools in order to get a decent stat line where things aren't just dying automatically as fodder to the board but twins disciples now is a very important trick i almost think it's a, an auto include in most ionia decks just because it's burst speed which they don't have a lot of that i can think of they don't have a lot of 
utility, strong utility burst speed tools. So this is absolutely needed in that region. The fact that it's a burst speed tool to keep something alive on board. To me, I think you're more likely to use the plus three defense on with this card to keep things alive on board to then kind of build up steam than it is the plus three attack. Unless you're using a an elusive package, then maybe you're looking for the plus three, the plus three offensive push. I, I think the I, I hate to interrupt, but I think the plus three is attack is is freaking brilliant too. Because if you think about it from two the two sides, you're either pushing aggressively and you want to preserve your board state, in which case you normally either from an aggressive standpoint, you mostly use your defensive stat to keep your board alive to continue snowballing and then occasionally use the offensive stat to push damage. But in a defensive deck, um, it is just as useful on the flip side of their pushing aggression and trying to defend their units to snowball a board. And you're blowing that out of the water all of a sudden, which Ionia could not do by itself with a three attack buff. I mean, I... I it's the the defensive power because we always talk about like it's hard to think about offense and defense in in LOR based on the way that you hear the words you think offense or uh, you think like offensive power like my my attack stat and you think that that is like naturally like inherently geared towards winning the game by attacking therefore like aggressive but in, in reality because of the defensive trade priority you you get to assign where your attack stat goes as the defender. So the attack stat is the most important stat for a defender when it comes to their units because they get to kill the things that are pressuring them over the course of the game and destroy the enemy board state. So um, I mean, the fact that you can, it your, your statement about auto-include, I, I couldn't agree more. I, if I'm playing any Ionia deck, whether aggressive or defensive, stall, aggro, combo, I'm putting one or two copies. This, this to me, this to me, is like troll chant level. It might mm. be the most flexible card in the game next to troll chant. And even troll chant, it's can you start you start talking about you can have a conversation at least which one is more flexible, but it it gave something yeah. to Ionia that they desperately needed, which is an answer that's not hush or nopify and something that you can be used flexibly in a situation. Well, hush is target. Oh, sorry. Yeah, nopify. <laughs> nopify and deny. That's what I don't have. So oh, you yeah, I meant nopify yeah, and yeah, deny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Negation. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, because you can, you can negate with outside of burst spells, you can negate most stuff with yeah. that well, too. But with, with this, you now have two bonkers board centric, uh, tricks at burst speed with syncopation, syncopation and twin disciplines in Ionia. Holy crap. Uh, this is, I think people are sleeping on this. Yep. This oh, is a yeah. fantastic answer to freeze, by the way, which is they freeze something yep. and then you slap twin disciplines on it post freeze and, and put it up to three attack, which then blocks and trades yep. with the thing. Like this kills your Ash. one drop that they freeze, whether it's buffed or not, or any, any unit you've got on board that mm -hmm. they freeze can kill Ash with a two mana burst spell of twin disciplines. That's crazy. Yep. You know where this is going for me? It's going to be going in the Lee Sin deck that I'm going to be making because syncopation and this in Lee Sin is 100%. pretty crazy. Is pretty yeah, crazy. Lee Sin, I think, will come back. I think Lee Sin will be back. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know what, what will be paired with him necessarily, but Lee Sin I mean, will be can, back this can season. Can you imagine challenging in something with Lee Sin and getting the dragon hit on it and then syncopationing it to something else? And yep dragon kicking one thing to death and then barrier punching something else to death and clearing two things on yep. board because of syncopation 
uh, pretty singing strong. I mean, syncopation can protect Eye of the Dragons yep. too. Mm-hmm. You know, oh no, my Eye of the Dragon got challenged or got get excited. Well, nope, it's still yep. alive. Huh? Well, yeah, yeah no. Um, if you throw it on a least sin, woo! essentially it does six damage if you use the if you use the buff if you're yep. leveled up because it's going to do the plus three yep. on the kick plus and then the plus three on the overwhelm if you've got it yeah, on the overwhelm, it. which most time you do. Yeah, that's yeah. a great card with Lee Sin. We totally agree with you. Yeah. How about you, DBN? What's the one non uh, non champion card that you wanted to talk about? Uh, well, I already talked about Make It Rain kind of earlier. All I'm going to say on that note is uh, finally, <laughs> thank you for listening. I'm going to I'm going to assume that you listened to me uh, because I've been saying it uh, for like a Since year. And so I'm going to assume nerfed. that. Yeah, I, I'm going to assume that they listened to me. Um, so. Um, you're welcome. Uh, glad I could help you out here, um, and I'll also say thank you for for you know uh, taking the great advice and uh, helping Bilgewater actually feel like I'm shooting cannons at things again. This um, is another notch in the higher to... DBN for the Riot Dev Squad yep. campaign. Mm-hmm. They did what I asked. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> also, here's another thing. Another card that I have not criticized because I I actually kind of enjoy the cards um, in play. Um, but I, I have questioned the the thought process behind it when it was previewed and repeatedly stressed how in, in ridiculously potent it is. Um, and it received a, a nerf, which I did not expect, and a very unexpected nerf, but which I think in in like now contextualizing some of the cards that were previewed, I think is is absolutely massive. Um, which is the nerf to stalking shadows. Mm-hmm. Stalking shadows going from two mana to three mana. It is already a a big downer um, on that card. Um, is the card still good? Yes, card draw is good. Um, but stalking shadows at two mana was so efficient. Plus, the best target to pair with stalking shadows is a three drop called Doom Beast. Well, I mean the the ability to stalking shadows into Doom Beast potentially play your second Doom Beast. I mean, that required, you know, uh, turn six with, with two spell mana now, you know? I mean, it just slows the, everything down a little bit with the Stalking Shadows. You can't just sort of play it and throw it away on a turn. It's just a bigger commitment by 30%, 33%. Oh, yeah. So um, Stalking Shadows getting the nerf is huge, especially looking at the Astral Fox card that we saw. Um, I think especially, and and just contextualizing too, they they clearly think that Shadow Isles aggro might be a little too potent, and and or you know or at least the aggressive start Shadow Isles aggro, especially considering the dominance of Thresh Nasus for a long time, because Escaped Abomination also went from a four three to a four two. That's the card that gets summoned when Cursed Keeper dies. So they have their eye. This tells me they have their eyes on um, aggro from Shadow Isles, and I mean in. Just sort of by connection to the Thresh Nasus thing, the Dune Keeper nerf as well. That's three early game hits to Thresh Nasus uh, that that was needed. Yeah, and needed I it. think that from a future proofing perspective, you have glimpse. You have you had you know stalking shadows. You still have it, but it's more expensive. And you also had Spirit Leech. I mean, there's just I mean, SI had near infinite card draw. You sometimes you had too much card draw on the deck, and so they're they're clearly uh, you know acknowledging okay maybe we went a little too far on this one and uh, reeling back stalking shadows, which I think is the most one of if not the most important uh, adjustments. As much as I want to talk about um, buffs, uh, I I gotta I gotta say stalking shadows is very important from a competitive metagame standpoint. If I might. Yeah. 
two points on uh, to add to that card because I do love Shadow mm. Isles decks, and I think add to the potency of the nerf is one with Shadow Wiles, to me, especially in the decks that it's played in, there's more competition at the three slot than there is the two slot. So it makes you think a little bit more about that too. You think about not running three copies of it, maybe two, and finding some other ways to draw cards if card draw is really important to the deck that you're playing. I think that is a very thoughtful thing that you now have to do. Also, the downside of Stalking Shadows, which I know DBN has seen me hit on a couple occasions, even when the odds are in my favor, when I've got a predominantly uh, minion-heavy or unit-heavy deck is the idea of Stalking Shadows, of playing Stalking Shadows, and you don't have a unit in the top in the top couple cards of your deck, and it just fizzles and does nothing and just shuffles your deck, feels a lot worse at three mana when you're banking on pulling two copies, a copy, a, a card and a copy of a card with an ephemeral copy, anything for that matter, not pulling anything, just wasting three mana for nothing feels a lot worse and has a lot more of an effect on your momentum in a game than it would at two mana where you might be able to shrug it off just a little bit easier. Yep, so yeah. that's it's, it's, it's a tempo it's killer big. if you miss and it makes your deck building become a lot more thoughtful. It's not just an auto-include auto of however many amount just for a card draw anymore. Agreed. I'm, I'm going to highlight one card that we actually don't have to talk about, and this is my only, and I just think it has to be mentioned because we talk so much about Watcher combo um, with Spectral Matron. Watcher went from, I cost zero when you summon four plus units that cost eight or more this game and then attack, obliterate the enemy deck. It's now cost zero if you've done five or more eight cost units, and when you attack, you obliterate all but three non-champion cards in the enemy deck. So it's not an immediate loss. If your opponent has a dominant board position and can chump block this 11-17, they will probably get, they'll get two more attacks if you're playing this, you know, and attacking with it on your attack token. They'll still get an attack. Yeah, they'll still get two more options to be able to end the game. I'm not saying this completely destroys Watcher combo, but it probably does. Um, it Maybe Turbo Thralls remains good, and you can maybe do something with that potentially because, yep. you know. But Lysandra, this is a nerf to Lysandra, but realistically it's them saying, we want to nerf the Spectral Matron Watcher combo, but we don't actually want to nerf Spectral Matron. We actually like what Spectral Matron can do for the game, um, but we do not want it to be able to cheat out, you know, a, a combo that just ends the game and wins, and, you know, there's nothing you can do about it. So I appreciate that, and I'm glad that Watcher saw this adjustment. I like mm -hmm. the Watcher over the Spectral Matron, um, but I understand why they want Spectral Matron to remain the same, and they're okay with nerfing Watcher. Lissandra's still good at level one and leveled up even if you don't get yep. the watcher combo off so for this sure. makes sense and i'm good with it you know we're gonna see we're gonna see significantly less watcher for for one reason um and it's because it doesn't instantly win the game so people are going to be turned off oh yeah it. there are even even though in the in a game where you summon watcher you probably win in three turns anyways but there is a portion of the population you know who you are um, that just wants to see your opponent cry because you won off of a cheese, you know, alternate win con. You know who you are. This is now comparable to Maokai, um, oh, yeah. where, uh -huh. you know, it, you put your opponent on a you really know, un clock. undeniable clock. Mm -hmm. You're on a clock, and it's short, you know, and you have to do something to massively flip the script if you want to win. Well, that's what this does now, and um, I just... Uh, 
I I think that even it may it may continue to see it may continue to see you know tournament play because it'll still be hey I'm still putting my opponent on this ridiculously short clock. Uh, can they do anything about it? Mm-hmm. But um, on ladder, the people that thrived off of um, you know winning all in one turn and your opponent having no way to sort of express their skill in that matter. And yes, I'm being a little harsh here, but I don't care. Um, I think it attracts, I'm not saying that anyone who played that uh, acts this way, but I think it, I think these type of decks attract a certain breed of player that are malicious, I think in the, the decks they choose to pilot. Um, I think it also attracts people that are just simply out there for the dub. Um, both of those people are going to move away from it, I think, more because of appearance and less because of effectiveness. This deck will continue to see some, I think, to your point, DBN, I think this deck will continue to see some relevancy in tournaments where there's a ban format, because especially an open deck ban format, because your opponent, whoever's mm-hmm. running whoever's running the Watcher, unless it gets banned, they're going to look at their opponent's lists and they're going to ban anything that's got Practical Perfectionist in it or Iterative Improvements <laughs> or any, any, any maybe Iterative Improvements on it, because that's, you think that's gonna? You think that's gonna draw bans? It could. I mean, the watcher. Think about it. If there's very limited, it depends on how. Oh, 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 I see what you're saying. I'm saying you're saying that the watcher player is going to have to ban things that will add things. If to it's your an deck. open deck format mm-hmm. with a ban, okay, they're gonna play the watcher. Play a deck with the watcher and Lissandra, and then they're gonna ban whatever the deck is that's got the ability to reinvigorate their deck with cards like practical perfections or yetis or things like that because they know otherwise their sure. opponent has not has no way to deal with it. Yeah. Well, I think I think from a more like if we're looking at the the tournament kind of uh, ban pass ban situation, this may still like you said see play, but I think it'll be to eat a ban for somebody whose lineup is not teched against hard control. Yeah. Um, or, you know, not teched against a control deck that can, that wins off a combo and not wins off of a, um, attrition. (laughs) Cause there's, there's, there's control that wins off a combo and then there's control that wins off attrition. And this is, uh, combo control. So if another player is running a attrition combo lists, like, you know, karma related stuff or, um, deep, which I guess isn't really isn't truly control but it's like late mid-range but the point being those kind of people are going to be forced to ban this out because they will not really have a win condition against it punishes spell negation decks because it doesn't interact so it even though it only now it takes Mm -hmm. it to three cards instead of just automatically killing their deck it doesn't interact if you're playing probably the most efficient version of it so it'll still have effectivity that way so lineups that are tech Mm -hmm. to be able to deal with decks and kill decks maybe with vengeance or ruination or whatever it might be lineups that are teched to deal with things that way this deck hurts a lot so yeah i think they'll still see some play but yeah i think the nerf was very appropriate what the is that Well, let's go ahead and move on because we do have some new cards to talk about and not much time left to do it. So we got um, new cards, which is unbelievable. This is uh, the new event that's going to be coming up called the Ruination event. It looks like we're going to be getting potentially a new champion. Um, We are going to be getting some new amazing looking skins we haven't actually seen yet, but we saw some previews for it. It looks like Shivana is going to get another skin, a a Ruination skin. Um, And so this is involving a lot of stuff from Shadow Isles, but sort of like the corruption of various 
various other things. I actually don't know the champ. I can't remember the champion's Viego? name. That it looks like it's Viego. 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 So I don't know what he does in LOL, but in TFT he's in right now. Viego uses his ultimate to sort of drain the life out of something, and if it kills it, it's it like summons it on your side. So it like summons its soul, corrupts its soul, and takes over its soul, and it becomes this sort of like evil version of itself that fights for Viego instead of, you know, for you. Um, so we have a bunch of new cards, and we're going to go over those quickly here, um, because next week I'm sure that they'll all be out. We'll have more than enough to talk about. So the first one is Ruin Rex. Ruin Rex is a 5-mana, 3-3 three, three rare from Bilgewater that reads, play, cast a cannon barrage on randomly targeted enemies for each card that you've drawn this round up to five times. Draw a bunch of cards earlier in the round. Um, you can then play your Ruined Rex and get a couple of these off. Um, I think this is a really interesting card. Uh, maybe not something that you're going to play on five, because otherwise you're only going to get, you know, one Cannon Barrage. Cannon Barrage, of course, deals two damage to a random enemy. And if that enemy is already dead, it does one damage to the opponent's Nexus instead. Um, uh, DBN or Gibbles, any thoughts on Ruined Rex outside of his artwork's amazing? I'll let you go first, DBN. Yeah, no, I mean, I think it's cool. Uh, I think it will be what's nice about this. You don't need to plunder. Um, so at the very minimum, this is a five job that will drop down and do a single cannon barrage. Uh, that's not good enough. Obviously just dropping it for mm -hmm. one cannon barrage. Not good. Um, it'll be interesting to see how consistently you can draw two to four cards in a turn. You're almost, it's going to be really hard to get the magical five and max them out, but between two and four, I think is doable. Um, and I, I think that if you can have a deck that's built around, you know, two to four cards being cycled, uh, pretty easily, you know, obviously play rummage or, um, I, I don't necessarily love TF's pick a card for this because, um, you kind of have to have Rex in hand, identify, I have pick a card, play it and then drop the Rex on the next turn and have that plan still be viable by the time the next turn shows up. Really what you'd love to do with ruined Rex is play something that cycles two or three cards like rummage and then immediately drop it afterwards to have that big, you know, uh, three cannon barrages and a body all for five mana. Well, five mana plus the spells you use to cycle. Um, so cool. It's for a specific archetype, a card cycle, card draw archetype. That's dope, too. Um, I think... Um, the cool thing with Riptide Rex... And by the way, I've been playing a lot of Riptide Rex. He's not as good as he used to be. He hits uh, six times now instead of seven. He has less good stats. Um, Plunder's a little harder to trigger. He's still very impactful when he comes down. But I will say... Um, the game is a little... Is, especially right now, a little more board-centric than it was in his heyday where you had a lot of decks that didn't play a lot of units. You had a lot of back row champs. Ezreal was really popular at the time where you're just kind of sitting there and not really playing a lot of units. You're sort of just slowing the game down with throwing removal. Same with Karma. Um, so uh, at the time, Rex really shined. I think now with decks being more board-centric, he's still good, but it's very rare that he wipes everything and hits a couple of points of damage on face. Ruined Rex is going to suffer from the same thing. Is it good? Only if you play hard into it. Um, but in that situation... Yeah, might be. But you have to look at what your top end is and if he fits into that plan. Because he's mm -hmm. not a finisher. This this guy's not a no. finisher. No, he's like a mid-game, clear some of the board and take control back. Yeah. Garden. Yeah. 
Um, I mean, my initial reaction was he needs to be like a five mana five three that does this, and then he would be good enough to play and only get one barrage off. Maybe. Um, other than that, you really need to set up for him, and he's not going to necessarily be easy to set up for. Sometimes you're just not going to have the cards in the hand to combo him well, and uh, that's going to feel pretty bad. And you're never going to want to play him as a five mana three three cannon barrage once. Um, and if you can't blame in that scenario, a, like if that would lose you the game, which it likely will, um, you probably don't want to play this card. So yeah. I, despite loving it, um, probably not going to be able to mess with this much. Yeah, the only card it's, I can think um, of that really creates consistency here, which is a four drop is Brash Gambler, which even then, that's the card that yeah, when not, you attack nope. it, it you, so you have to discard two cards in order to play this card. And then every time you attack mm -hmm. it, creates two fleeting cards in hand so you could you could have said ostensibly attack with brash gambler create two fleeting cards in hand after the attack and then drop rex like that that's negative tempo for you because you have to discard two cards in order to play yeah. the card unless you're cheating it out somehow it just doesn't seem good doesn't seem like it's a mm -hmm. an ideal situation for you so I, but it's still cool it's a corrupted rex it's a corrupted awesome. turtle boy yeah Let's yeah. go. Rhyme Fang. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Rhyme Fang Den Mother. You want to go over this one, DBN? No, no, no. I was just saying, let, let's go to Rhyme Fang Den Mother because I do want to get through yeah. all of these. So, Gibby. Absolutely. Hit, hit the Den Mother. Rhyme Fang Den yeah, Mother. Yeah. I'll take it. Frail Yord card. Uh, six, six cost. Uh, five, five. Uh, rare card. It says, when I'm summoned, summon a Rhyme Fang pack. Give it plus one, plus one. For each time you have frostbitten enemies this game. So this is the first card we're seeing in LOR that is running off of the amount of times that you frostbitten, which is interesting because there is quite a bit of frostbite. Oh, Ash. Ash too. Also non-champion, I should say. Uh, so the first oh. non-champion card that's running off of the amount of times that you have frostbitten something in a game. Really, really cool. Obviously, it's going to synergize very well with Ash. There's quite a bit of freeze in the game uh, to be able to play off of this. So the one, so the card that it associates with the Rhyme Fang pack. It's a non-deckable card. It only summons off of the Rhyme Fang Den Mother. It is a one mana, um, one one with Overwhelm, and then it'll gain plus one, plus one for every time that you have Frostbitten something this game. So if you've played five, uh, if you've Frostbitten five units this game, by the time you play Rhyme Fang Den Mother, your Rhyme Fang Den Mother will come down for five, five, and then you'll have a, um, a unit next to it that is a six, six with Overwhelm. So you'll essentially get a six cost for six mana you will get 11 11 worth of stats pretty good and 11 11 distributed across two units one of which has overwhelm right. so hard mm -hmm. to kill almost guarantees some sort of damage depending on when you play it unless you've got a really hard really hard clear this is a great card this is a great card in the filler game to play post ash because asked ash is going to be playing Going to be played probably probably played on an attacking turn, attacking, and freezing something, frostbiting something upon attacking, and you're probably having having have played you'll you'll tune your deck to have played some frostbite earlier in the game because whether defensively or offensively because those tools tend to be a bit on the cheaper side, even even makes me think of um, what is it the rhyme fang uh, uh, the tusk the, the one yeah that, well, the three two. Well, well, Ryan Fang Wolf, but the one that freezes every single turn. Um, freezes something. Oh, yeah, the... Um, Frost Maiden? No. Yeah, I think that's... I don't anyway, remember what the, the name of it is, but yeah, I yeah. know what you're talking about. Five mana, three, Rhyme three, Shaman. The, the Rhyme Shaman, yeah. yes. So that card, freezing something every single turn, 
Um, I wonder whether this card grows on board uh, as it's. No, I don't think so. I think it it's, I think it's it as it's grants summoned. on summon. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but if you play that, I mean, you're going to run probably multiple copies of the Den Mother in deck. If you're playing a predominant freeze deck, this card creates a lot of value in a deck that's tuned to freeze quite a bit, to frostbite quite a bit. I think this card will see a good amount of tempo uh, swing. I think this I think this will have a have its place. I mean, if you average that by turn six, you've frostbitten three times, let's say you've played your Ash and you've frostbitten two other times because you attacked once with Ash, you're getting a six mana nine nine worth of stats split over two bodies and the four four has overwhelm. That's it also, pretty ridiculous. It's also <laughs> important to note, like it on the defensive side of things, it's two blockers for one action, uh, which is excellent. Yep. Excellent if you're getting pressured down um, to punish passing on an open swing from your opponent. So... Mm -hmm. Uh, I think it's completely reasonable in an Ash deck for this to be a 5-5 a, a five, five and a 4-4. Four, four well, and Absolutely. think about it this way. Even if you wait maybe an extra turn to like turn 7 or turn 8, you can consider this card a closer almost at some point because what happens if you yeah. play the Crystal Arrow effectively? Crystal Arrow is going to freeze something and then everything else that's got 3 or less health to it. It's It scales. It scales, it scales pretty yeah. hard. So I I like you, it. Um, yeah, it's it's great. Uh, I think that the Den Mother is just going to be um, really impot really potent in decks that already exist and in archetypes themselves. Notably, one of them already has five power. Great with Ash, but you could totally go all in on on Freeze and run something else, and, and it would be viable. Let's let's move over to the Thrumming Swarm though. Uh, Mark, what do you got on this Thrumming Swarm? Seven mana, eight, four with Overwhelm from Sharima, epic card. And when I'm summoned, create a copy of me in hand if you've leveled a champion this game. Um, so this is just everlasting seven mana, eight, fours <laughs> for Sharima if you have summoned a champion this game with Overwhelm. Uh, closer for Sharima, for sure, but is a seven mana, eight, four that just creates a copy in hand really enough to win the game? It adds some inevitability to the game as mm -hmm. long as you've leveled a champion, which, like, with Azir, you'll definitely be able to. Um, but other than that, like, as long as you're pressuring your opponent, like, this just is everlasting pressure, right? This reminds me of, like, um, of, uh, what's the, the frail yard, the Howling Abyss? It reminds me of Howling Abyss a little bit, like, just constant mm -hmm. seven mana eight force. Like your opponent cannot deal with everlasting seven mana eight force. So maybe in that scenario, I don't think this is as good as Rimfang Wolf. I think it's better than Rune Hex. DBN. Um, the only deck I see this playing playing in is Sedranecton as a way to because they'll often have their big overwhelm units get peeled as you play them. You play Thumbing Swarm, they kill it with a vengeance, you just play another one the next turn, and the next turn, and the next turn, and hopefully eventually one of them will make an attack and you battle fury it. Um, that's the only that's the only situation I can see you playing a single copy in. I don't think it's very good. Um, it's cool, but I don't think it's very good. I think this is a card that you slot a couple, maybe two copies of in the deck if you know that the deck that you're playing is either a mid-range or a control deck that doesn't have a lot of card draw. This is a card that you want to see in the late game knowing you don't have a lot of card drop because you'll just put all your eggs in this basket and just summon one every single turn and say either remove it or deal with it. It's it's going to be a card mm. that... Because for, for defense is, is nothing to scoff at, quite honestly. And even because it, when it's summoned, it automatically creates the copy. In hand, it's non-interactable. 
for your opponent to stop you from creating more copies. So there's nothing that they can do to interrupt the loop. So I like this card in the fact that it essentially solves Sharima's problem of not having a lot of card draw in the late game. They can pretty much just run out the natural card draw that you get each turn with a decent curve and play into that late game. Try to level up a champion or two with with Renekton or Azir or somebody else. I actually think this is a pretty flexible finisher. I wouldn't be surprised if this had a decent place. Hmm. Interesting. I don't agree. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. It, it's the only card of its type, right? It's it's an interesting card for that reason. Um, let's jump into the four most interesting cards I've ever seen revealed for this game, potentially. Um, that might be an exaggeration. Yeah, I, but I know. Some I had... of the absolute are super cards. cool. Yep, that they have ever shown. Stuff. These are all Demacia and Shadow Isle cards, and we're diving into dragons and some of the absolute coolest dragons of any card game I've ever played. The first one is Crawling Viper Worm, a two mana three two from Shadow Isles. It has Fury, which is of course it's a dragon. Then it has Play. I strike an ally or deal three damage to your Nexus. So of course a lot of people are thinking, you know, two mana three two deal three to yourself is not great, but a two mana. Um, three two strike your dragon chow um, which draws you a card and makes this a two mana four three draw card seems pretty freaking good um seems very 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 good um this is the first card that you it's like an early game dragon you didn't have one of these before before it was like play your dragon chow play your dragon chow hopefully shivana can kill them on turn four now it's like dragon chow and i destroy you with crawling viper worm after that like mm. this card this card is really cool a two mana three four three like draw a card like that's i mean obviously it's not always going to end up like that but oftentimes it is going to happen like that curse keeper oh, curse keeper hapless yeah. aristocrat there's all sorts of things you can drop ahead of this you know i, I mean want to eat yeah if you drop curse keeper on two you can drop this on three Okay, so on three, you get uh, a 4-3 uh, with Fury, and you also get a 4-2 Escaped Abominations. Not bad either. Warden's yeah, Prey. Nope. Yeah, Warden's Prey. Yeah, yeah, Warden's Prey would be really All good for this as well. Juicy uh, targets. Juicy. Yeah. And it is noted that these don't strike each other. It just strikes the thing. You just choose one of your own things for it to strike. Um, so it's not going to take damage from that strike. It's just going to probably kill something and grow. Um, and there's plenty there's plenty of things in Shadow Isles that you don't mind dying. Counts as slays too, so it has synergy there. Mm -hmm. It also um, you know, counts as kill your own things are dying to it, so it works towards Callista. There's just a lot, lot to unpack yeah. here. And uh, you know, works there's Callista, always works kindred. Works Callista, works kindred. Works Shivana, obviously. Um and uh yeah, this is this is pretty cool. And I love that it's the idea of like, you know, dragons being this like hungry, uh, these hungry beasts that uh, eat foes and friends alike. <laughs> it's pretty cool. Uh, Indiscernible. Yes, it is. Yep. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Ruin Dragon Guard, three mana, two, four in Demacia that reads when an ally with fury kills a unit, granted an additional plus one, plus one. Mm -hmm. The fact that this is in Demacia is like. This gets played in Shivana Asol too, right? Mm -hmm. Very easily. Like, in addition to the Shadow Isles, 
because you you play right like you, you if you have like a dragon chow down and you get this down and then you play shivana on turn four and shivana gets plus two plus two and then an additional plus one plus one when she attacks like what are you looking at you a plus three plus three on her she's what a seven uh seven or six seven on turn four well you with fury I'm not convinced that this gets played in Shivana Asol, uh, because I think that your sort of the the payoff with dropping Shivana onto a Dragon Chow is not going to be enough, because you're asking for three cards to be on the to be on the board at the same time. Which anytime you're asking for more than two cards to be on the board at the same time, you're the the likelihood of that happening is very low. Um, and more than that, I, I just kind of look at this and I think about other three drops that you could be playing, um, and, and really other mana you could be banking for concerted strikes. Uh, and I, 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 I question this, but I think in a Shivana, uh, SI list, I think that this seems pretty interesting and pretty compelling. I mean, crawling viper worms or the one we're going to talk about next, um, you know, running dragon chows, running the things that you're you're biting, of course, but then you know, getting strikes off of single combat and stuff. I think that that would be a probably a lower to the ground mid range build as opposed to you know, Shivana Asol is weirdly this deck that is mid range into you know a a hard attrition finisher. Um, you know, I think that the win cons are going to be different, and thus something that is much more like early game focused and not so much well we're getting to turn 10 for asol i think that there's a place for that potentially that said okay. it does have bad stats it doesn't it's got defensive stats. stats which are the card that kind of scales with other units well, it's on supposed board. to be an engine right with an engine card mm. you want defensive stats I think this would be worse if you reverse the stats of a 4-2 no it'd be better it'd be way I, better i Four two four two is incredible stats, and the thing is, is that fury doesn't happen like so often that um, that you're going to to see this over the course of like four or five turns, unless you're already winning the game. In the average situation that you're playing this, this maybe gives your unit one or two buffs, which is worth it playing it. Don't get me wrong. I'm simply saying you would rather not block with this, and then you know have it swing or block something bigger with this and have it trade up as opposed to having it sit and be this great engine and not contribute any threat doesn't contribute threat but it probably does defend you by trading favorably into your opponent's turn one and two if you haven't had a chance to do that right yet. at least to me at least gives you the I mean, option any to three drop will do that find the opportunity yeah, I mean, I just think you're looking at, I think you're looking at just different priorities for this card. Sure. And I'm saying, I don't think you, I don't think you get fury kills so much, like so much, that this is going to be something where you wouldn't prefer having, uh, you know, more uh, flexible combat prowess. But again, we're arguing semantics because that's not its stat line. Um, at two four, I'm not criticize. I'm well. I am slightly criticizing the stats, but I'm saying that what this is asking you to do is sit on your back row and be an engine and an enabler for your other fury cards. Um, if that's going to, if you're going to be able to trigger fury enough, that remains to be seen. But if you can, and on the basis that that's going to happen between Dragon Chow, Viper Worm, this next one we're going to talk about, then maybe this guy is good. I compare this, frankly, to. Um, the two mana two three in 
uh, SI that has like ephemerals get plus one plus one, right? Like it's great when you're all in on ephemerals, um, but if you can't go all in on summoning ephemerals super consistently, like with your um, shark chariots, then you might as well not even include it because otherwise it's dead. If you can't if you can't get a, a, a kill with fury and have the unit not live in that trade or in that strike um, on the turn or maybe at the worst the turn after, then this card might not have been dropped on the board. It should have been anything else instead. I'm with Gibbles. I think this card is good. Yeah, I, th I think there's mm. I don't I hate there's more flexibility line. to this card than it appears, but we'll see. And as you segue into that, we might as well move on to the next card that I think makes this card a bit better. Gamavorian Dragon, I think I pronounced that right. A four mana, four, three with fury and fearsome play. I strike an ally or deal three damage to your nexus. So very similar. And when I slay a unit, drain one from the enemy nexus. This is another thing that you're going to want to target one of your low cost uh, SI or Dragon Child cards with. And uh, gonna drain and stuff from the you know your opponent. It's gonna buff itself up with fury. It has also has. I mean, oftentimes this is gonna be a four mana five four with fearsome and fury and drain one from your opponent's nexus. Okay, hear me out. It seems pretty hear strong. Here's here's the dream curve. You go. I know this is something that DBN has has put in a lot of early game SI decks. You go Oblivious Islander to dis on turn one to discount the Undying on turn two. You play a turn two Undying. It's already got Ephemeral. It dies on its own. Then you play this new three-cost card that's going to buff up your slays. Or maybe you just play a Viper Worm to kill off your 3-3 three, three Undying to make it a 4-4. Four, four. Then you play this card and you kill off your Oblivious Islander or something else. Like There's a lot of synergy if you are going to go hard into this SI undying list. There's a lot of mulligan potential where you, Tim, for me, that you eliminate the the idea of a bad draw on this, which when I try to put together certain early game SI decks, to me, I run into that sometimes if I'm playing certain kind of very shoehorned or very narrow ideaed cards i think the fury package is interesting i've already got a deck that i have previously built that was a kindred um challenger build that maybe dragon slot into this somewhere we'll have to play around with it but i'm very excited for the idea of an early game curve like that that's a bit different but also seems to create a pretty strong board presence I see by the shaking of his head, DVN disagrees with me. Uh, no, 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 not. I, I'm just once again your curve there iterated to me exactly why Ruin Dragon Guard isn't good. Like it, 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 it you don't get the, any value from it until the next turn after you play it. Plus, you're relying on things sticking around and not being interacted with at all in that equation, and he puts, provides no threat whatsoever. And, uh, but we're and, not going back to Ruin Dragon Guard. We're on okay, this okay, okay, from okay, fine, fine. We have moved Ruin on Dragon from Guard, Ruin Dragon Guard Ruin is Dragon bait. Guard. It is bait. All right. Uh, we're moving on from your your, okay. your soapbox. Camivore and Dragon, Camivore and Dragon though. Camivore and Dragon though is legit. <laughs> this card is legit. Oh yeah, um, it's really good. I really like this. Now I will say it's competing in an extra crowded four mana slot. 
because you're mm-hmm. competing with Spirit uh, Fox, you're competing with Spirit Leech. Um, however, Shivana. however, and well, sure, Shivana. I mean, this is this is this is in the deck that Gibby's describing, which I think is, which I also think is legit. I think Undying loves both of these dragons, uh, speci- specifically the Crawling Viper Worm. I think he he really likes Crawling Viper Worm. Um, and Camavoran Dragon's interesting too because it's a way to deal some Nexus damage, kind of without um, actually, you know, successfully pushing damage. <laughs> uh, but I, I think that uh, I think that in this situation, I think the fearsome tag is actually pretty darn relevant um, because you're you're forcing your opponent into trading into this thing, um, which is sometimes the issue with dragons in Demacia is a lot of times that while yes, you're you're throwing things in and chump blocking, right? Um, and when you throw something in a chump block, they get bigger, but then you sit there and as long as your removal isn't damage based, if you have any sort of like removal, that's non-damage based, you sit there and like, okay, fine. Have st- all the stats you want. I'll win some other way. Like, I don't care about killing you ever, you know, I fine. Have it. I'll just Ezreal kill you or I will execute it. Or, uh, well, I always say execute that's hearthstone. Um, you know, a Noxian guillotine slash scorched earth or I'll vengeance it, whatever. Um, but uh, but with the Camavoran Dragon, you're basically saying, hey, you let this go to the face, or you sacrifice something um, that that uh, is actually going to be negatively impactful because it's going to have three uh, three defense. So, um, which is equally something of its downfall. I think this getting Challenger is going to be great because then you have the flexibility of saying, okay, either I'm pushing this damage in face. Or they have to throw a big thing in, which is a good situation to be in. Or you're saying, okay, they have a big thing and, and it'll actually kill this thing and my thing will will die from it. All right, let me let me go and um, grab a one one or a grab a two guy. one. Yeah. yeah, take a lower thing. Um, I think that I, I wanted to ask, when this kills something in a trade where they both die, the sleigh still goes off. Correct, because it killed it. Because it killed yeah, it. Yeah, I think so. So you mm-hmm. still get another drain point uh, from your from your opponent. Mm-hmm. Um, once it, you know, if it kills something in a trade, which is so cool as well. So I, I do, I do like this card in a dragon, dragon deck. Um, yeah. I, I think, I think, I don't think this gets flexed into any other SI build, but I think that's totally okay. Like, I think it's okay for that, uh, to be the case. So I, oh, I'm, I'm see a whole new variety of, a whole new variety of Shivani. Yeah. I, this, I'm so excited. I'm thrilled by that. And, and like I was saying, giving this guy challenger would be really, really cool. Segway, someone tell me about Kadrigan. Kadrigan the Ruined is or a six somebody. mana six six. Yeah, uh, sorry, <laughs> six mana six six. I, I just jumped over. Do it, yes, love it. Get in it. there, bud. Six six mana six six Fury from Demacia that reads play grant an allied champion or dragon challenger. Uh, six mana six six with Fury, good mm-hmm. dragon, good, and a bonus that it could give an allied challenger also good especially a champion like mm-hmm. can you imagine this coming down and giving shavana shavana with challenger is very good and this is grant so it's keeping it it's yep. not going away it's mm-hmm. not challenger mm-hmm. for a turn permanently giving one of your champions challenger this on a garen is very strong as well because garen with challenger is really strong kindred with challenger exactly. turn five into turn <laughs> six this is challenger's really disgusting because it actually gives a protection for your kindred yeah um this card's really good. Yeah, I mean, it's very good. The Gibbles, what do you think about it? Because you were trying to tell us what it was, and I jumped over you. So what that's you okay. Think Step it? on the new guy, why don't you? That's right. Yeah, I Take just want to stomp down on too. you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Hazing, hazing. <laughs> I thought we were past that. Um, no, <laughs> I think this card is flexible. 
I don't think there's really a bad spot for it. I mean, obviously you play this for the consistency if you're running a dragon deck just because it helps to not run into the situation where you don't have a champion on board with only six champion copies of a card not unless you're creating more somehow uh in your deck there is the strong possibility that you see cadrigan on board or you see cadrigan in your hand and you would like to have that six six on board with fury and get utilize the effect but you don't have a champion out and that feels bad so you you run dragons in with Cadrigan just to, to to mitigate the idea of it not running into the bad situation of not having a target for it. Um, I don't, I'm not sure if it'll be played outside of that. I don't think you run the risk of having this in your hand and not having a champion. Although it would be cha- it would be great with pretty much any champion you can think of. It's never bad handing a challenger, how a handing challenger to any champion. Um, I mean, even shoot, you, you, you put that with Callista, you put that with Teemo, like, I don't know. You, you, I could put this in, uh, Talia Sibber. Right. You put it with Talia. Talia's bonkers with, <laughs> with, with, with Challenger as, as DBN already said earlier. Probably don't need it with Plaza, but, but yeah. like it's, it's got, it's got a lot of different targets that you could put it with. It's got a, a great package that you could run it with because of all of the dragons that are out there. Um, and the fact that even though it's a very big spoopy dragon, it does fit in. It, it is is it, it is a Demacia unit. Um, it kind of yeah. blurs. This is going to be one of those. I feel like this is going to be one of those cards where we forget what what region it actually comes from because the art screams yep. Shadow Isles, Whales Shadow Isles, because it's undead. Um, <laughs> but it actually is Demacia. So I think there's a lot of there's going to be some confusion with that. But because of where it actually falls in Demacia, there's going to be a lot of utility with this card. Yes, I. It's I not think... shoehorned as much. Into no, the I, I. Yeah, I like that it says champion or dragon. That means that you could potentially play it on any champion and and really see that value shine through. But it also means, yeah, any dragon you play with dragons, it does. It it basically says grant a unit challenger, which I mm. I think is a good, you know, good thing to play, especially because it itself is a dragon. It is fury. It has all those things that you want already. It's um, probably not. Probably not a three by, but maybe one by two by. It's absolutely amazing looking. The artwork is next freaking. All level. the artwork on these cards has so been good. very, very impressive to me. I mean, yeah, it's it's got to be some of the best. I mean, this is what I was waiting for, guys. When I, I mean, when we talked before and we had two events, and DBN and I were, you know, we talked about like the falling blossoms event. It's like a little too girly for me, like the KDA event, way too girly for me. And then it was like, okay, we got like we got a little event around like the Dark Star stuff, and that was kind of cool. It was like, yeah, that's cool, but it's still like cosmicy. Like this is the event that I wanted. This is the event that I've wanted the whole time so far. Aesthetically, it's like. Uh, okay, I'm going to have to ask my wife to go up to the bank and get a line of credit because, uh, <laughs> uh, like, Riot, you're getting my money. Uh, you're getting my money on this one. Like, I already know. Like, I'm not buying anything else this month. I'm buying skins. Um, well, like, that's where my money's if, going this if month. If there's a skin, I also really like I'm buying it. I also really like that this is in-universe artwork. Like, this is not an alternate mm-hmm. universe. This is, like, something that exists with what you know, we know is, you know, basically it's just a, the ruination possesses all of the units, but it's basically the, the frozen throne. Wow. Expansion. Uh, but you know, but I, but I, but that's cool. That was cool. Then it's cool now. Uh, so, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm all 
for this. I'm really excited to see um, some like uh, possessed uh, Noxus units. That's going to be really cool. Um, I think it'd be really neat to see. You know what would really be neat to see? I don't think they'll do it, but like um, the uh, like uh, the arena guys getting possessed, like uh, Kato mm. and uh, and Shiraza, like and um, uh, who else? Uh, the the guy that that gets plus one plus one for each uh, ally. It'd be oh, really neat to see the 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 Nox Cryo Arena get taken over by the Ruination. You know, with the you know, I guess they won't do a Draven skin, but it would be cool anyways. No, Nox Cryo Arena Arena, but Spoopy essentially is going to look like Vaults of Helia. Uh, no, it yeah, won't. Well, they can make it different. They can make turn it the different. red to cool. green. It, it looks it, it, will, it looks it will look a little bit like it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it'll look it'll look different. It'll be like it'll be it'll be different. It'll, I swear. Uh, which, by the uh, way, Nox Cry Arena buff win. Uh, right? Oh Get on yeah, it. that's Facts. true. Yeah. This is a little Nox. But the truth. Buff. I I think I I heard through the grapevine, which probably isn't true, but I heard somebody say that they were hoping that we got one like ruination skin for each faction. It's so, like one mm. champion oh, skin great. for each faction. So like he takes over like one, except for Shadow Isles, of course, because he would be re being released in Shadow Isles. Mm -hmm. And so it would be great. Like we get a Shivana skin, get like a Darius skin, get, mm. um, Lucian. you know, like a, 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 a Lucian. Oh, possessed oh, gangplank. Forgotten Lucian. Possessed gangplank, dude. Let's freaking go. Dude, I want to oh see him gosh. look like, uh, look like uh, Davy Jones. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness yes you yes, better start yes. believing in like ghost stories miss Targar. you're in one because you're what in about, one <laughs> what about like a crazy what about like a crazy shadow isles zoe like a crazy shadow isles zoe would be oh wow that would be too. well you know what's funny is they just did a zoe skin um so maybe not that but like oh, i'm yeah. thinking uh it would be really neat to see like um Maybe a, an Aphelio skin because yeah. his artwork oh, is already really so cool. This is an undead boneyard, yeah, and he has silly. Has a connection with that already. Oh man! Oh man! Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Oh, there would be so many cool things. That you they could, could do, do so. Many... I'm really excited for the skins. Do they do unique voice lines for uh, any of these skins? Because that would be dope. I think they do if you get like the leveled up ones that have the leveled up animation, but I don't know beyond that for voice lines. Maybe I, they don't. I, I feel like if sure. you would do that for your skins for your cards, like for like something like Ruination, you would like it would make sense that they would have like like spoopy voice lines. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like that'd be cool. I agree. I agree. Okay, well, I tell you what, guys, it's been a long episode. We're two hours in. We're gonna get out of here, but before we do, we are gonna give you a quick closing thoughts. And I thought I was already perfect. <laughs> Hey guys, closing thoughts is the end of our show and I'm not going to talk about it much, but we're just going to dive in. My closing thought this time was just considering and thinking about, uh, about you know, to-do lists and things you got it done. And my closing thought is this, do what you don't love. Um, there's a lot in our culture that's about only do what you love, do the things that you love, make sure you do what you love. But there are things in everybody's life that they have to do that they don't love. For me, uh, paperwork, weed whacking, um, and I mean, there's a lot of other things, but basically anything that's maintenance oriented, I hate doing. I love doing projects. I hate doing maintenance. I let my garage get to a point where it's despicably like messy and stuff is everywhere. And then I'll take a Saturday for like three hours and clean my garage. But sometimes in life, it's just easier to do things that you don't love and get them done. And when you do things that you don't love, it builds resiliency and it builds integrity. And I think those things are really important and some things that
a lot of times our culture is lacking because we just want to move from doing one thing we like to the next thing we like and never ever have to be bored and never have to do things that we don't want to do but sometimes in life you have to do things that you don't love so do things that you don't love with a great amount of zeal and passion because uh, it makes a big difference on the people around you and instead of dreading it um, you can learn to even begin to enjoy doing mundane things that you won't typically love doing so that's my closing thought today it's probably not the best one but do things that you don't love yeah i thought it was pretty good if you just yeah. take that at face value it's terrible advice but other than that. no well out of context it makes it doesn't make any sense but contextually with with that lovely commentary it does it is wise some, some wise hey, words. It's, it's pretty good when i whenever i eat a meal i always identify the piece of the meal that i i value the least and i eat that part first so that way the latter portion of the meal and the one that sticks with me after I'm done eating and I leave with that taste in my mouth is the one that I enjoy the most. So that way I get to I get to savor it and, and enjoy it for a little longer. So you got to get the things that you don't like doing or you don't like as much out of the way first. See, there you go. There we go. Indeed, when you're eating dinner and throughout everything else. Last uh, closing note is if you own a Segway, they now make a converted kit, a kit that turns your Segway into a go-kart. And that is amazing. And if you own a Segway, you buy one and send me a picture of it. Um, that's going to do it for this episode, guys. We are so thankful for you and appreciate you listening in. And uh, if you want to find us, come on over to Discord and check in there. Or you can check in the notes for this show and you can find a couple other places to find us. Um, thank you so much for listening and be sure to come back again next week. Thanks for listening to Legends Cast. This episode was brought to you by listeners like you. Don't forget to join our Discord community and support us by leaving us a rating and review wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. A special thanks goes out to all of our Patreon supporters over at patreon.com/legendscast.